theyeshiva.net. Vaha'adam, you see? You see, we have Vaha'adam Sharsham Ailamatik, and it's page 25, Yud Gimel, column 2, close to the bottom. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 8 lines from the bottom. Vaha'adam Sharsham Ailamatik. The human, its source is from Ailamatik, meaning. The doimim tzemeichai, their shaydish is from where from oilamatoyu, which is deeper and higher than tikkun. But it came down, it fell down over many levels through shvirus hakelim until gashmias was created from that energy. So all the physicality is created from the energy of what of toyu of oilamatoyu. The adam his shaydish is oilamatikun. When we mean the Adam, we don't mean the goof of the Adam, we mean the soul of the Adam. The beginning of Tikkun and the primary foundation of it begins what's called Chachma of Atzilus, which means the world's Atzilus, Bri, that's all from the world of Tikkun. Tayu precedes the highest spiritual world of Tikkun, which is Atzilus. And the beginning of Tikkun is Chachma, Venikraham Shachas Moichen. This is what's called. In Kabbalistic and Hasidic terminology, Hamshachas Moichen, which means bringing forth wisdom, enlightenment, awareness, mindfulness. Ki is biriru. As the Zohar says, all birurim happen through chachma. Bechachma is biriru. That's the fact. That all birur happens through chachma. The ability of Olam to be Mesukon, to be Mesuder, you, when you say something is Mesukon, it's organized, it's structured, contrary to the Shvira Sakelem of Tayu, this exists in Tikkun, and the first Kayach of it is Chachma, and this has the ability to be Mesakein, the Shvira of Olam HaTayu, because Bechachma is Beriru, Chachma is that which has the ability to be Mesakein, and find the Nitzutzis of Kedusha, in all of the physical realities. That's why it's called Hamshachas Moichin. Because Chachma has the ability, the, the ability of Chachma is the awareness, the ability to dissect and to be aware of what the true origin of the sparks of Toyu are. Because they don't look like what they really are. Their appearance is deceiving. They are screaming that they are behemoths, and really we're telling them that they are Chayas HaKadosh. They are screaming that they are Chayas and we're telling them that they're Chayis HaKadosh. They're screaming that they're detached because they really fell down low and they're lost in translation. And the truth is you need the Chachma to be able to identify their true source that really they come from a place that's higher than Toyu, than, than Tikkun. So you're saying, so, so us coming from Olam HaTikkun are able to sort of, uh, I mean... It, identify? It, well... And sublimate. We can be a vessel, meaning like the. Why? Why did Olam Ato like Shvirasakelim? Right, because the the vessels could not contain the light. It was so grand. So grand. So we yeah. are able to be that vessel, meaning. Right. So therefore, we in Olam Atikon can identify the intensity of the Taihu, the fact that it's really lost in translation, and so to speak, bring it back to its source. And create the vessels for it. Because in Tikkun the vessels are very expansive. But the light in Tikkun is much scant, much smaller. 
And that's why the human being, as we're going to see, needs the food, which was his original question. The human being needs the food and needs the interaction with Toyu because Toyu brings us to a place. So Toyu can bring us that to a place like that, that, that intensity, that intense light. Yeah. <coughs> Now, the man who has a nefesh hasichlis, a rational soul, that doesn't exist in creatures, in other animals, or in trees, or in daimim, or in semeich, or in chai. Also, the shayrish is from chines chachma, which means from oilam ha tikkun. Oilam ha tikkun. Now, he adds something. Ushviris hakelem shayab oilam atayu, wabchines zayin midas. The breaking of the vessels that happened in Olam Atayu was primarily in the seven Midas. But these are the Midas that transcend Chachma of Atzilis, and these Midas are called Beheima Rabba. What does this mean? What does this mean? Midas are very different than Seichel. Midas are it's interesting because today we know this very clearly. Then there was no, in the, in the times of the Balatanya, there was no field of wisdom called psychology. You probably know that, right? Psychology is a new invention. Psychology then was part and parcel of philosophy. Philosophy included the study of the human dimensions as well, the branch of wisdom that related to the human condition. But it was all part of philosophy, which is basically on understand, full understanding of what life is, what the cosmos is, the origin, and so on and so forth. This had to do with a certain dynamic, and that is Seichel was seen as the primary mo- motivation in human life. Intelligence. Seichel, the philosophers believed that you could convince something, somebody, you convince somebody that something is true, and you have him. But to, here already we see that Midas are far more powerful than Seichel. Emotions are far more powerful than Seichel. And that's really the study of psychology. Meaning, not everything is classified in rational terms at all. Probably most of our motivations and drives are not rational at all. Ask a regular person and you'll see that his deepest drives can be traced back to very irrational experiences. But their experiences, in his mind... They make sense on some level, or they don't have to make sense. They're just real. The power of Midas is because in Olam HaToyu, primarily the Shvira was in the Bchin of the Zion Midas. The Midas are very powerful, very extreme. Emotions are extreme. Intelligence classifies, relaxes, calms down. Midas are fire. Chachem is water. Midas are very extreme. Therefore, the reason that we have this separation between Seichel and Midas, Seichel is more limited and confined. Midas are more infinite and emotional. The Midas are very, very deep in a particular person. And in Toihu, the Midas were absolutely extreme to the point that the light was greater than the vessel, and that's where the Shvira was in the seven Midas. But these are the Midas that are even higher than Chachma Datsilas. They're called Behema, but they're called Behema Rabba. It's an animal. And an animal doesn't have Seichel and Pchira like a human being has. The primary drive of an animal is impulse and very heavy emotion. 
and there's a strength in an animal that a person doesn't have. So the behemoth down here is often stronger than the person. Most, a lot of animals are far more powerful than people. You don't want to start up with many of them. Why? Because in their source, they come from Toyu, which is higher than Tikkun, and therefore it trumps the Seichel of the person, which begins with Chachma, and they come from Behemah Rabbah. But Olam Toyu fell. There was a breakdown, and therefore the animal now emerges as a physical brute creature, inferior to the person. The person can dominate it, the person can exploit it, sometimes positively and sometimes negatively and destructively, Tsar Balachayim and so forth. But this is the concept where the Shvira happened primarily in the Midas of Toyu, where there is a, 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 a person is prone to extremism, person is, is prone to very deep, intense stuff. The question is, in ourselves, we have the behemoth in us, which is the middas. Should you be afraid of the intensity of your emotions? So he continues and he says, This is after the parentheses. He does a brackets here with footnotes. The next page, 26. Because there was no hiskalalus. What's hiskalalus? Integration. Nishbiru, they broke. Venoflu, they fell. And therefore, nimtza hein lamatamaya adam. So what happens is, the behemoth rabbe falls down below the person. So now you have doimim tzimeya chai, which are lamatam in hadas. Really, they're lamaylam in hadas. But they fell down lamatam in hadas. That's the tragedy of Toyu. There was a complete chaotic breakdown of the system, and all the divine, powerful sparks and lights of Toyu fell down with the breaking of the vessel. Everything got scattered, fragmented, and you look at it, and you don't see anymore the original genius. It's the genius who had the breakdown. He's walking in the street homeless. He's uttering words that are not cohesive, but if you sit down and you listen a whole day to him, you'll hear shards of genius coming through his mouth, but nothing is organized anymore because he had a breakdown. Or a musician, uh, Sunshine? Piano? Uh, what's the story of that Australian Jewish kid? The Australian Jewish kid, he was a pianist, his father pressured him, and he had a breakdown. It's a real story, huh? You familiar? Very interesting story. Sun and Shine, his name was? Sun and Shine, Sun and Shine. Anyway, this brilliant Jewish kid in Australia some years ago had a chush in music, and his father decided, of course, that he's going to become the next Mozart. You know, every Jewish father, you identify talent, and uh, either you become Robert Shalkolbne Hagoyle, or you become the next Mozart. There's nothing in between. So, uh, so uh, he pressured him and pressured him and pressured him to the point that this poor kid had a shvira. It's a maisa, maisa shahoya, and uh, he couldn't live a cohesive life anymore. When he would sit down at a piano, the genius would just flow through him, and amidst all of the, you know, lack of balance and structure, these, this genius music would emerge. And that's really, but not cohesive, not integrated, not, not uh, um, uh, structured in any way, and so forth. I think it's a good marshal for what the Balatanya is saying here. Olam HaToyu, there was a major Shvira Sakelem. So these great divine lights that are higher than the divinity in Tikkun fell down. When we say fell down, we don't mean physically fell down. But the concept of a fall means that you cannot recognize who they are after the fall. And the scattering means that they're not cohesive, so they don't bespeak who they are. So their power is there, their momentum is there, and they create a new reality called Gashmias, in which you don't recognize at all the Koyach 
And really, it comes from a higher place in godliness than Tikkun. And that's why there was such a shvira, because the iris could not be contained in Caleb. Now, what this means is, there's major ramifications of this. Because what this means is this. When there's a breakdown of a system, and when there's something that would look like the lowest levels in terms of Ruchnius, it may be precisely because it comes from the highest place. And because it comes from the highest place and it went through a Shvira, therefore, its original source is not recognizable. That's the, ramific- the, the practical ramification of this. So he says, So all these sparks of Toyo need to be sublimated only through the person. Because Chachme could be the Mevar. But after the Birur, Once the person elevates them, they now give back new life to the person because really they're higher than him. This answers why we need to get our Chius from Tzimeach and Chai. What's not good with the chiyus that we have in our own systems? He said, because there's God's energy in everything. We also have God's energy. The answer is, the koyach in doimim, tzimeach and chai, is far deeper than the koyach in medaber, in the adam. So therefore, by confronting the spark in food and sublimating it, we get vitality. So food is really, a, eating is really a very spiritual process. It's a very deep, today there's a big focus on nutrition. The deepest form of nutrition is this awareness. What's nutrition? Nutrition is, don't look at the cheese Danish externally. Dissect it. <laughs> See the nutrients in it or not. <laughs> don't just eat a piece of potato chips. Don't just eat tomato. Look what the pnimius of it is, right? That's what it is. In other words, see what it's going to do to your body, what it's going to do to your sugar, your galactose, your blood, your adrenaline, your energy, your vitality, your moods, your disposition, your blood type, v'chuli, v'chuli. And the great nutritionists are experts at this, and it's a very important idea. Don't just eat. Think about what you're eating. But here he takes it to a much deeper space. It's not just the physical nutrients. The physical nutrients are directly commensurate with the spiritual divine energy in those nutrients. That's what's giving power to these foods, chiyus to these foods. So it's not just I'm eating to get vitality. I'm eating to get vitality, and in that process, I can be sublimated. The food is a give and take. I give and I get. What do I give? I bring these, this energy back to its source. Only I can do it because I have the mindfulness of of the divine. I have the mindfulness of transcendence. I have the mindfulness that can bring these sparks and tell them, I know you. I'll be here for you. I will not abuse you again. In my mind, in my system, you won't have another Shvira Sakelem. And in that process, the victim brings me, the healer. Food eating is a form of therapy. You're doing therapy with the Nitzutsus of Toyo whether it's the animal, whether it's the plant, whether it's the bush, and so forth. Now, it used to be these things were strange ideas. Today, we become, have become aware even scientifically of the tremendous life that exists in plants and bushes. There's concept theories that they hear, they, they, they're sensitive to music, you know that. In, in the water, 
Huh? They're sensitive to music. They're sensitive to energy. They're sensitive to moods. I saw a study about plants. There were two plants identical, and one was raised in a vulgar atmosphere. They were cursing the whole time, and the other one with nice music. And one grew up shriveled, and one <laughs> and one grew up with splendor. You read about this? Ice crystals. Ice crystals. What? Now, I'm, I'm just bringing out a point today, even the world, so to speak, the secular world is much more sensitive to the spirituality that exists in the universe. But what it, the, the source is right here, what he's saying really is that there's sparks of godliness giving life to these things that are deeper than the human soul. Even though the human soul is grand and intelligent and powerful and can exploit everything. And the reason is there's a give and take. They need me, but I need them as much as they need me. So the tomato needs me. And the meat needs me. And the cucumber needs me. I'm not going to say the cake needs me. <laughs> they need me because they're actually nitsutsus of Toyo, but in that process they also sublimate me to a place that I could not reach. This is what the says, The mouth of God means the ten utterances, which were the source of creation. Hashem is like the Moitzah, the source from where the Piyashem, the words, the ten utterances emerge. In other words, Moitzah Piyashem is not the energy in the bread, it's the Shairish of the energy. And in the source, in the Moitzah Piyashem, you have to look at the Moitzah. Don't look at the Piyashem, look at the Moitzah Piyashem. The Piyashem actually went through a traumatic metamorphosis through the Shvira Sakalim. Don't look at the Piyashem. The Piyashem is the molecular atomic structure of the food the way it is now, which gives rise to a Dover Gashmi, which is completely divorced from godliness. But if you have the courage to go to the Moitzah, like the Hei Moitzah to go to the source of these letters, go to the source of these atoms, go to the source of these neutrons and electrons, go to the uh, protons, go to the source of every item here in its original chius in Alakus. You're dealing with Eilam you're dealing with Eir, that is higher than the Eiris of Tikkun. And that's why there's a dissonance. So whenever there is a mismatch and a dissonance, it's often because the energy is so powerful and the Eir needs a place to express itself. And it didn't here. It didn't have a Kali. So what did it do? It expressed itself in things that are completely estranged to its essence, meaning it created Gashmias. So the deepest Ruchmias exists in Gashmias which is one of the big chidushim of Teres HaBal Shemtev, that the deepest ruchnius exists where? In the Gashmius. If you could look at the Moitzah Pi, at the Moitzah Pi Hashem. The Pi Hashem is actually what comes out? Yeah, the Pi Hashem is the product. The, 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 the energy that creates the product. And the Moitzah Pi Hashem is the way it was before the traumatic metamorphosis. And what, where is the trauma represented here? Simple. Ruchnius turns into Gashmius. Where do you have a greater trauma? Where do you have a greater metamorphosis? Divine, pure divine energy turns into basically beasts, bushes, plants. It's a whole physical universe. What is that physical universe really? Manifestation of the deepest divine energy, which was lost in translation. The soul bespeaks spirituality because there was no 
traumatic metamorphosis. Gashmis went through a traumatic metamorphosis. And now man confronts a big world, and he is like the captain, he is the leader who says, I'm here for you, I'm not going to let the trauma happen again, trust me. Right? You ever saw elephants that were traumatized and then caretakers take care of them? And for weeks and months they don't trust you. You have to convince them you could trust. Children who were hurt and they become teenagers, they don't trust anybody again, right? And suddenly a rabbi comes or a therapist comes and you're just another abuser. How do I know I could trust you? It's not easy. It's not easy. That's why the world is waiting for that leadership. But if it doesn't trust you, if you abuse substance, what we call substance abuse, then it's much worse than anybody else because you were the healer. You were the one that, when that pasta comes to your plate, when, that, when those vegetables come to your plate, that egg comes to your plate, you're the healer. The fifth Lubavitch Rebbe was the Rebbe Rashab. Just the edelkeit of a person. He was sitting and eating. He would eat with a spoon, not a fork, because shtech the gate with a spoon. Now luxum with a spoon doesn't work that well. You ever tried? <laughs> So he had soup with lakshan, soup with, uh, with pasta, with spaghetti. So he picks up the, the spoon, the lakshan falls off another time, a few times. So he said, in Yiddish he says, the lakshan is nach nisht gilet, The pasta is not ready yet. Pasta is not ready yet. It's not ready. Right? There was a sensitivity there. It's not ready for the biru. And... Uh, he had a gabai, his name was Mendel de Misharis, and generally gaboyim didn't always have a lot of seichel, which is why they were good gaboyim, because they saw things that other people shouldn't see, so that's why, I know today in other places gaboyim run, run the show, but, uh, but there it was a little different. So, uh, so, so he was eating soup with knedlach. The Rashab was a very, very deep thinker, big gon oilam. So he was sitting with a spoon like by the soup, and he was like this, Today is a chazal. He was thinking. So Mendel the Meshada sees that the Rebbe sits chazal. He says, Rebbe, 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 the knedlach zayn in tith, as if it gained tith if it take a finin. The knedlach are deep. Don't think so much. You go a little deeper, you'll find the knedlach. He looks at me and says, Mendel asmem achayegavan. You gave me life. So the point is that there's a relationship between tikkun and toy. There's always a relationship. And the human is the healer. And that man, the man could sublimate, and he becomes sublimated in the process. But for that, you need moitza. The last one of the asadam amores is what? Nasa adam. After God said, "Let the earth produce plants." After He said, uh, "Let there be nefesh chaya." Why? They're not only there before chronologically, they precede us spiritually. Why? Because of And here he says a fascinating story in Gemara. The Gemara says a story that Reb Nachman said the Gemara says a Maisim Babakama, a very interesting Maisim Babakama. It's Dafayan uh, Aleph. Reb Nachman, uh, there was a debate in the Besmedrish in Yeshiva. Reb Nachman said an opinion and they challenged him and he didn't say anything. The next day he comes back and he gives an explanation. 
So they're wondering, why couldn't you say this last night? So this is what he says. Uh, the reason I didn't explain to you the reason for the Allah last night is quite fascinating. It was before dinner. I didn't have my steak yet. <laughs> he was eating vegetables. His wife put him on a diet. He was juicing. He said, I didn't eat steak, bistra's flesh, tur of an ox. I didn't have my steak yet. What's this? That's why I couldn't explain the halacha? Now, in most of our cases, you could explain the halacha before you eat the steak. Once you eat the steak, you're done. You become as I stuffed up. You don't feel, you don't think. But you have to understand what it meant eating a steak. It didn't mean here. He goes in, he eats a whole steak to the point that you can't breathe and you can't feel. In our world, we don't know how to eat one potato chip. Right? There's no such a thing. You eat one, you finish the bag. It would be nice. You go over. Women, they could take a piece of chocolate and cut it into eight pieces and eat it over eight months. With men, it doesn't work that way. You don't cut up a chocolate into eight pieces. You eat the chocolate and then you finish the whole bar and you try to get a second bar of chocolate. So he says, but so you have to, I'm just trying to understand, it doesn't mean he ate here a whole behemoth. He ate the whole smorgasbord. He tasted Bisra the Torah. How can Bisra the Torah help Rav Nachman, who's from the G'doyle Hador, explain the halacha? The Michael increases the Seichel of the Adam. Rav Nachman says he doesn't have the Koyach Havana without it. The Gemara says in Brachas, When the child starts eating grain, it's usually the time that the child starts saying, Abba, Father, Tada, Dada, Tati, Abba, Mama, Tata, whatever it is. Why? Stam. The Gemara doesn't just mean a coincidence when you start, stop nursing, you start eating more Daga, and you start saying Abba. It means it's connected, it's totally the Daga. The shayrish of food is in Olam HaToyah beyond Chachma of Tikkun. Al kenyash bema koyach vayicholas l'chazak uloysev gam koyach ha-chachma shal adam. So they have the capacity to increase the koyach ha-chachma of the person because the shayrish of the ma'cholam is higher than the shayrish of the person. So therefore they could change the koyachas of his own nefesh. At kedekach. This is ki loyal alechem levada yechi adam kal kol moitzapi Hashem yechi adam. Spirituality, chronology, coupling, and that is it. Therefore, should also merge as barley that the plants have higher oros than the behemoths. Yes, because they were created first. Yes. So, not when Shevik been looking for for vegetables and not not adapted to meat. To, you know, to have Let's not push it. <laughs> 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 the, 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 the meat is kind of the meat is made up of the vegetables. Remember that the Torah gets yeah. nourishment from the vegetables. The famous expression, the Sefer Ikrim, Rabbi Yosef Olbo says that the process of work, the world is the doimim gets consumed by the tzimeach, the tree lives from the soil. The tzimeach gets consumed in the chai, because the chai is mile of the tzimeach. The medaber is mile of the chai. Now the question is, what does the medaber do? If it stopped, the buck stops here, so then all of them basically sacrifice themselves 
to be included in the higher form of life, and then it all stops in my gluttonous stomach. Unless the Medaber realizes that his purpose now is to transcend his selfish identity and bring it all back to the source. And then the process is completed. I think they say in the Chofetz Chaim, when the train came, I'm not sure, when the train came out, he cried. He wasn't the Chofetz Chaim before. Why did he cry? Because until now, the Medaber was on enough high level that he was the Chai Bedin. Now we went down the category, we got to get to the dam. You heard that, right? Interesting. So the Balatanya continues, Just like we explained before, the power of food to affect the human psyche and the human soul, which l'chayda the human soul is a spiritual soul, nonetheless food can affect it, transform it, enhance it, or degrade it. So we take it for granted that food changes our moods. Everybody knows that. Certain people, they eat certain foods, and you can't, they, they, they're transformed people. It took me a long time to discover it about myself. Because it was hard for me to believe that something I take into my mouth can have such a deep effect on me. You know, it was really hard for me to believe. Like, I thought I'm bigger than that. Like, okay, so it's, a, it's this food. <laughs> How does the food have such a bilus? But that's really the nakuta here. That uh, it doesn't work that way. The food has ownership over you because it comes from a higher place. In many ways, it owns you because it has very deep sparks. It's not it's not so simple. Don't don't dismiss it. <laughs> the animal is very heavy. The grain is very heavy. The produce is very heavy. Whatever it may be, and uh, and uh, and therefore, it changes the person. Latoyev in a positive way, like Rav Nachman says. I couldn't explain the halacha because I didn't eat. Uh, I didn't eat uh, steak last night. And, uh, and uh, the Gemara says that a Tinoik starts identifying Tati and Mami by name as father, mother, when he starts eating or she starts eating dogon, starts eating gray. So, so what are we, I wonder, I'm just curious so what he would say about like, natural substances that have an even greater effect on your psyche. What type of substances? Psychoactive substances. Oh, you mean psychedelic. Psychedelic or something, just thinking like natural... Yes, yes. Yeah. Right, right. So, of course, there's many levels of uh, transformation. I'm talking about being in a classic breakfast. The classic uh, English Carbs. breakfast. Huh? Carbs. Carbs or anything else? Huh? <laughs> Yeah. No koyach. The, the koyach that the Rebbeinu Shloilam put into certain herbs, the koyach that Hashem put into certain herbs, to certain plants. I mean, as much as we discovered, we didn't even scratch the surface. It's like incredible. It's not. Uh, it's not unknown. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, and each herb with all of its koyaches and its, the art of it. So this is not stam, a fluke. It has to do with the whole design of the Bria. The design of the Bria was that the Moitzah Pi Hashem and the Lechem is deeper than the Moitzah Pi Hashem in the Neshama, in the Nefesh Adam. And therefore, it's not just the food 
holds the soul and the body. Without the food, the soul cannot exist in this world. The soul remains a spiritual, aloof, a heavenly identity. But it also affects, it affects the koiches of the person, it affects the koiches of the person. That's just the of the person, not in the chalak Even the chalak the ma'am Well, here he's talking about the pashtas, the, the, the life. Yeah. Pashtas, the life. So till now, we spoke Taka about Poshet, the human life, the human soul. Now he's Taka going to take this a step further. You see where we are, yeah? Ukamoike, on page 26, Daf Yud Gimel Ahmed Gimel, the third column of Yud Gimel, yeah? So he says, Kamoike, in the Yuvan Bavaydes Hashem, Shazau Inyan Birurim, Reish Peiches Nitzutzin, the Toyu Shemaloboshim, Bedvarim Agashmim. These words I know sound very strange and mystical, but if you translate, you'll understand what he's saying. The same you understand also in Avaidus Hashem. There's something called birurim, which is from the word birur, like boirir on Shabbos, to sift out, right? Boirir means to select, to separate, to clean up. There's something called birurim of the 288 sparks of toyu. Reish peiches nitzutzim of toyu which are all manifested, malubash means, like a lavush, it's manifested in all physical matter, that they are all sublimated, they're all nisbarer, and ascend in tikkun, which is the sherish of nefesh alikis. The Arizal explains that from the breakdown of the Kabbalistic Big Bang of the world of Toyu, basically 288 sparks fell. And that's the remez in the Pasuk, Va'aretz ha'isa soyu vavoyu, Mirachefes is a combination of two words. Reish peiches meis. Ruach elakim is mirachefes. It's 288 dead. What do we mean dead? We don't mean dead in the sense that it's, it's lost, it's lifeless. Dead means they went through a traumatic transformation where relative to their previous life form they are completely different. Because these sparks have been they went through like very serious, you know, form of abuse or trauma or, or, or I don't know if the word is abuse, but trauma as a result of this breakdown of Shreya Sakelo. That's Reish Peiches. The Reish Peiches Nitzutzes of Toyu that fell. Now when you say Reish Peiches, it's, it's like roots of trees which have many, many, every spark is like a, is like a prototype. It's a father spark, <laughs> you know. A godfather. It's a it's it's a uh, it's a prototype, and there's many manifestations of it. many manifestations, many branches. So therefore, they are all malubish bedvarim gashmim, because we said the whole gashmius came from them, right? The whole mitzias of gashmius came from this shvir of toyu. This havus of gashmius came from godliness, but the godly energy that went through this process. So now they all find their birur. It's all a process of boirer. What is boirer? Boirer is identify the good from the bad and, and, and extricate it. They're all al oile in the tikkun, which is the shayush of the nefesh alakis, which is mylet. This is through the serving of Hashem during Kriyashman Davani. The koyach and the chiyus that you got through eating, l'shem shamayim, 
is all now included in the Echad and in the Vahafta. A person eats, a person drinks, a person gets their physical fuel and energy from the food that they eat. Then, they become mindful and they say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad, or Vahaftas Hashem Alekecha. What happens? All the sparks of Toyu that were embedded in that food, in that animal that you ate last night, or in the fruits, or in the vegetables, in the tzimeich, and the chai, whatever it is, all of them now have fueled your energy. You took your energy, and your energy became part of Hashem Echad, of Ahaftas Hashem Alekecha. So all of them find their Isalus. All of them find their sublimation. So that would be for someone who's bound to time, right? It says, Shema how are the Torahs by someone who's not what? No, he, it's just an example. Any form of Avedas Hashem. Any yeah, any form. Yeah, any mitzvah Avedas Hashem. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Tanya, he says that the biggest one is in Stoka. Because any mitzvah that we do, we do with a certain faculty. Let's say I'm doing beer chametz. So I take my hands and I throw the chametz in. Of course, I always need my brain for awareness. But it's always with one faculty. I put on tefillin, I put on tefillin on my arm. So my arm is involved, right? And so every mitzvah. He says when you give tzedakah, you're giving tzedakah with your arm. But you're giving it with money that you sweat it for. And people, their whole soul... Their whole soul is involved in the work. So he says, anything that, all energy that went into the work, and you made money from it, and you give it for tzedakah, so that whole energy now is sublimated. So therefore, that's why it says, because the greatest beer of the world happens through tzedakah. Because in tzedakah, all your koiches are sublimated. It's not your arm is involved in tzedakah. It's whatever was involved in making the money. <laughs> huh? Again, in Talmud Torah, you have the person is learning. So their brain, their koyach hamachshav or dibur is involved. Right? Here, sometimes, in Avayi, okay, it depends on the type of work that the person is doing. But you see, practically, a person does work. So all the koyaches of their nefesh are sometimes consumed in it. So therefore, it all is ayla. So this is just an example of Avoid Hashem, but it's all forms of Avoid Hashem. Now here comes the Chiddush. This food adds power in the mindfulness and the emotion that the mindfulness and the Das and the love and the awe should be stronger and more intense than the Koyach of the Nefesh Elikis itself. The Michael is mechazik, the koyach of the hisbainanus and the hislavus of the neshama, more than its spirituality on its own. Why? The hainu mitam, now because of the above reason. Since in this food you have part of the 288 sparks of toyu which transcend tikkun, al kein be'echol tam lohoisif ilui. Therefore, they have the capacity to increase the wisdom and the emotions of the godly soul on its own through Kriyashma and Tfilah and the involvement of all Torah and Mitzvahs. You see, he says, to answer your question. So it's not stam an external thing. When I eat, so I have more power, so I have more fuel, so may I could serve Hashem better. No, it's the food itself that contains within it a certain magic 
a certain energy, a certain spiritual power that the nefesh kiss the godless on its own can't reach, because I my soul comes from tikkun, and this comes from toyu, and the sparks of toyu have fallen. They're much more brute. They're much more physical. They're materialistic. In fact, they're insensitive. But that's only externally. On a deeper level, you're dealing with sparks that are far more sensitive, far more idealistic, far more energetic, far more enthusiastic, and far higher. So the nefesh shall kiss on its own. Its shaydish is from tikkun, which is lower than tayu. And therefore, the spiritual power in the physical foods, which organically are rooted in what? In the iris of toyu, which are far more infinite and intense, has a power and an intensity that the neshama itself does not have to the point that it could transform me in a positive sense, just like in a negative sense. Yes? How, how uh, if, if our neshama is a chelak kamimal mamish, right? Mm. So how is he justifying that that's a higher level? It's God's essence itself, no. It's a good question. You're asking a good question, my dear. Um, uh, you're asking a very good question. Two things should be uh, clear. Number one, when we say that the Sherish of Doimim Tzemei is higher even than the Sherish of Nefesh Alekis, it means, number one, we're talking about the Sherish, the source. The Nefesh Alekis, even down here, is a Chelek Elekamimal Mamish. In other words, it's never detached from its source. In these situations, all of these creatures are somewhat separated from their source. That's why it's called Shvira. When it breaks, right, it becomes fragmented, and this align. So that's important to understand, number one. That when you say, it's even down here, where all these matters went through a Shreer Sakelem. Number two, when you say that the source of the Nefesh Alakis comes from the world of Tikkun, it means the source of the Nefesh Alakis, the way it is expressed, the way it is revealed. In other words, it's source that can be felt in the soul, even when it comes down into this world. The ultimate source, the shayrish, the unconscious ultimate source of the nefesh alakis is even deeper than Eilam HaToyo. The ultimate, ultimate source of the nefesh alakis. The way, however, it's manifested, right? You have things can be experienced on many different levels. We'll talk about uh, uh, the shayrish of a person. If I want to talk about your shayrish, right? So I could talk about your childhood. I could talk about your mother. But I can also talk about your great, 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 great grandmother. It's also your shaydish. I just don't really have access to it. Your mother we can analyze. You we can analyze, right? Your grandmother we can analyze. Maybe not. I don't know your bubba. But uh, you get the point. There's a shaydish and then there's the shaydish of the shaydish of the shaydish. Nefesh al-Kis also. The shaydish of the nefesh al in a more conscious way is ilamatiko versus ilamatayo. There's a deeper shirsh in the Nefesh Shalakis that is rooted mamish in, in the essence itself of God. But uh, it's a very good state. It's a very good... I don't, I don't want to speak so mairich on it because it will be completely off topic. But in the structure that Hashem made it is that the Neshama generally is rooted in Tikkun. The Nefesh HaBahamis 
is rooted in Toyu, and the behemoths in the world, Daimim Tzamei are rooted in Toyu, and generally all physical brute matter are what? A manifestation, their physical composition is fueled by the divine energy that comes from Toyu, which went through a traumatic transformation, and hence morphed into Gashmias itself, and broke down, broke out from the cycle of Ruchnias. The whole reality of Gashmias is really a symptom of Toyu, of a breakdown. And man's, or woman's, capacity is to be able to, to bring it back to its source, which is what's called Avedis Habirurim. We will always have in, uh, in Sifre Chassidus, Birur Hamitsutsis, Kabbalah a lot. The elevation of sparks. What sparks? Where are the sparks? Sparks everywhere. What does it mean, the sparks everywhere? What does matches? There's fire everywhere? What does it mean, sparks? Sparks mean they were once part of a big bonfire, but then they got detached from the bonfire, and there's little, little sparks that don't have warmth anymore. They don't have light anymore, but they're there, and they have that potential. And they have their, their intensities. Just the intensity has often been distorted or misused because it's detached from its ultimate cherish. Okay. Now, I should just add that this is B'chalal, a general hashkafa, with many, with many, many situations. That sometimes the greatest energy of love ends up in the greatest energy of anger or disappointment. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes the deepest anger and disappointment happens because there was so much positive energy which didn't have its keli. For example, let me, I'll give an example of something that a few of you may know about. It's called relationships. You come home, right? You decide you're in a romantic mood. You're going to do something very, very special for your wife. <laughs> you buy something. So most men, they think if they buy schnitzel, you know, it's going to do it. For them, schnitzel is pretty, uh, pretty bad. It's like the Malacham of us. But the point is, you're in this very good mood and you, you buy something special or you, you prepare a surprise, etc. For an anniversary, for a birthday, for a yomte, for chvezvas. Little do you know that she had a very different day than you expected. <laughs> you thought she was sitting on the couch all day, sipping iced coffee while you were working, and now you're going to come home with a gift, and you'll have this amazing evening together. And basically it backfires. Her response is one, you know, why did you do this? Why did you get this? Why this? Why that? And suddenly this whole romance is in a second. It's deflated, and you're like, oh my God, I can never win in this marriage, ever. This is never going to be good. And you go to the opposite extreme. And what was supposed to be such a beautiful night becomes one of the most miserable nights in your marriage. And you're not even sure why you two are married together. Um, uh, This couple once came to me. She had a birthday. So he surprised her to go out. And he took her to get a hot air balloon ride. You ever went on a hot air balloon ride? His whole life he was dreaming to go that's what it's called. Oh, you know what? The, his whole dream. Huh? To you, it sounds nice. Huh? Yeah, you go with the blue. Yeah. And he thought it would be the most, the most. This is man's romance. It's not woman's romance. For you, I can't talk about other women. I'm telling you, I'm fact. I'm not. I'm not analyzing here genders. It's not my job. I'm telling you, I'm a that that happened to arrive at my office. Okay. She wasn't just furious. She was beyond furious. And of course, it's not what he did now. 
For 18 years he's doing this. What is he doing? Trying to surprise you? Not thinking about what I want, thinking about what he wants. And he, Mamish, looked like a, a shiner after you. Ois klapet a shiner rabbe. Not five times. 550 times, according to all versions. And he would, I, I happen to know the guy, very innocent, a very kind fellow, really kind. He was sheepish. He's like, I just tried being nice. But that, he's very nice. Other people, they get very, very angry. Okay. Now, what really happened? I'm just giving a practice. You know what really happened? In, in the Lushen of Lakuta Torah, if I could apply it to something quite reality, what happened was there was a tremendous oil of love. Very positive. It just didn't have a keli. There was nobody to receive it. There was nobody to receive it. So what happens? The very energy of love is transformed into an energy of what? Anger, disappointment, hate. If I look at it, I say, wow, this couple is miserable. They don't like each other. Really, what did that come from? It came from, there's a lot of emotion that he wanted to give, or a lot of emotion she wants to give. But they didn't learn to match their oiris and their kalim. The oiris was big, very big. Fakert, a couple that doesn't have such a relationship, they don't have such fights either. <laughs> there's no expect- there was tremendous expectation that he had. He wanted his light to be received. It was not. It was thrown right back in his face. So what happens? The energy deflates. It falls. That's what it means it falls. It goes through a shvira. And the kalim go through a shvira. And now, they're stuck in negative energy, only at the surface. Really, if you'll go back to the source, you'll see he was very innocent. And probably she was also very innocent. It was her way of saying, I need a lot of empathy now together with your gift. It was her way of saying it. He didn't take it that way. Again, you, you're, you're disappointing me. Again, you're not there for me. And this is true in very, very many cases in life. The highest forms of positive energy sometimes end up in the lowest, in the lowest and most difficult, challenging situations. Why? Because the air is too big and there was no Kaylee for it. If he would have just come home and said, How are you? What's going on? Everything would have been fine. There was so much ava, it becomes so much the opposite of it. And really, that's the whole cosmic process. The whole cosmic process works. The whole world needs therapy. That's basically the point. But seriously, what do we mean the whole world needs therapy? This process between people started already in God. That there's energy all over the place, and it's very, very lofty energy, but it's lost. What it looks like is... You have chayas and behemoths and doimim tzameh, all brute, all physical matter, detached from their source. It's man's job to have the maturity and the confidence to be able to, uh, to match it up. You have it constantly with youngsters, young kids. Yeah, the, the, usually a lot of rebelliousness or negative behavior, it's rooted in a deep innocence or a deep desire for acceptance or for success. And then it's met with derision or with cynicism. And it goes, whoa, exactly in the opposite direction. So you identify it as trouble, as negativity. It's not really trouble and negativity. You just have to be able to diagnose the source of it. So this is a whole process in many areas of life where the toihu dynamic continues to play itself out. And here is the clown. Whenever you can counter in your life moments of chaos... Moments of disarray, moments of disorder, and Baruch Hashem, as Jews, we have a lot of it, especially the week before Pesach. Whenever you encounter such moments, subtle or very complicated, 
there are very deep sparks there that you have to identify. And it's true even a regular meal where you're encountering chaos. Because the conflict between the spiritual and the physical creates chaos. And that is the symptom of toyu shvira, and the invitation to elevate toyu. You wanted to ask something, somebody? Okay. Now, so he says, This introduction will allow us to understand back, we come now back to our matzah situation. The Mevur B'Zoyar, the Zoyar tells us, the just like when it comes to physical intelligence, the child does not understand till he eats bread. We explain the koyach of Michael of Dagon. This was an important takdama. Why? Usually, everybody learns what's matzah. Matzah is commemorative. Matzah is cultural. Matzah is symbolic. Why did they eat matzah? Then they were in a rush. But now we're going to learn something else. The chiyus in physical food comes from a koyach that's even higher than the neshama. That's why the meichel adds in the seichel of a person. Even in his spiritual avoid of his nefesh So now we're going to learn about the koyach ruchni that exists in matzah. Not just the symbol of matzah. The physical matzah, the grain and the water, the flour and the water that we eat, what we call matzah, has within it an energy. That when the Jews came out of Mitzrayim, they could not fathom godless Hashem in the sense that they were essentially slaves. They were shocked. They were overwhelmed. The transformation of the night of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim was from one extreme to another extreme. It wasn't a regular transformation. They ate matzah. What's matzah? He says, matzah is lechem. But it's not regular lechem. There's lechem min ha'aretz, regular bread, chametz. This is lechem ayotzi min ha'aretz ha'alyoyna. There's shamayim and eretz that's physical. There's also shamayim and eretz that's spiritual. The lowest level of every plane is called eretz, earth. We have our earth, but on every level you have shamayim and eretz, shamayim and eretz. The lowest plane is always eretz. For example, in spiritual worlds you'll call malchus eretz. Why? Because malchus is the last sphere, the last attribute, it's called eretz. Matzah comes from an Eretz Yoyne. Of course it comes from Eretz HaTachtoyne. You make matzah from grain. But the energy in matzah, as he's going to explain, is something that comes from a higher form of Eretz. And he explains, The Hashem. In this bread, which bread? In the matzah, this will do a give a special yichya ha'adam and the nefesh alikis to recognize the one who created the world. Just like stam, we said, whenever you eat bread, grain, there's a chiyus, there's a life that's given to the rational soul, even the nefesh asichlis, not just your biology, not just your biological life. Your intelligent life is increased and enhanced. Matzah and Pesach, which is a different type of lechem. It's not a regular lechem. It's a mitzvah matzah. This gives chiyus to the das, to the perception of the nefesh alikis. Now you'll ask a question. Vosep is matzah? Why not stam bread? You just said that regular bread, the tino could say abba v'ima. So you want to apply it spiritually. So say on Pesach, eat bread. 
And here there's a mitzvah to eat dogon because that represents knowing your father, not your physical father, your spiritual father. So he says, here you need the ingredient of matzah versus chametz. And he starts explaining, Pasha, the physical properties of chametz is, you mix fa- fi- flour and water, it releases enzymes, and as a result of that, it's teifeach. Teifeach means it uh, puffs, it, it inflates, inflates, it lifts itself up, it inflates itself. Matzah, you bake it so fast that there's no, absolutely no hagba, it doesn't rise, it doesn't become inflated. What does this represent? So this is also true in Avedis Hashem. Chametz, Ubchines Hisnasus, Vegasus Haklippa. Chametz represents pride and arrogance of the shell, of the husk. Mashenken Matzah, Ubchines Shiflus Vachnam. Matzah represents humility. Humility and achna, which is a sense of vulnerability, subservience. Matzah, all grain increases the power of intelligence, the power of awareness. But matzah doesn't only increase seichel of a person. What we're going to explain here is that sensitivity to godliness needs a certain quality, not just intellectual awareness. That you can accomplish with grain. To have a perception of godliness, a person has to have the ability for unique vulnerability for a unique sense of, for the capacity to really be able to embrace truth and go to a place that's deeper than your ego. For this, it's not enough to have regular grain. For this, you need the energy, the divine energy that's invested in the food that we call matzah. And the first explanation in this is, which he's going to go on to explain is, the matzah being deflated which represents a certain energy that it contains, and that's the energy it gives the nefesh alakis on Pesach. Toyu and Tikkun is constant. When we talk about Toyu being destroyed, it's not chronological. It's a constant situation. It's a constant dynamic. It's Lamailam and Hazman. Well, there is an element of Avaida Sabirur, and we do speak about elevating the 288 sparks. But in other words, in our life, because we live under time. Right. So it's the same. You're saying so what's avoid the sabirulim? In other words, you beam a vire the nitsutsis, the khairit is up more. The way I understand it is, it's a good shaila. The way I understand it is that Avodas Habirurim changes the paradigms, that it doesn't have to break down. If this couple can work through their situation, next time the, the same thing will happen, but there'll be, they'll be bigger Caleb. He'll understand her, she'll understand him, she'll be able to accept the oil and say thank you. He'll be able to understand her and connect.
through the process. So the point, the point is, Toyu is not in time, but with the avoid of a person, as the experience happens again and again and again, it's it, it's its manifestation is different. The reaction is different. So therefore, there is avoid of It's not like every moment we're back to square one and the whole breakdown starts again. Every year of history that we humanity develops. So now, when Toyu explodes, as it's always exploding, there's a different reaction, and therefore it has it, it stops exploding. You understand what I'm saying? There's always the next level. Yeah, there's always the next level. But generally speaking, if you look at all addiction, I can't say almost is a is a symptom of Toyu. The person has a tremendous, tremendous energy, tremendous need, tremendous void, which is usually, there's a very deep positive, positive element there. They don't have the kalim to express it. Healthy. They don't have God to be able to contain it. That void. People have a bigger void because they have higher neshamas. Their neshamas need more. Usually, usually, they have tremendous... I once heard from Dr. Tversky, Shia Tversky probably spent 60 years with, with, with addicts. And he said that he has his klal gadl. That any soul he has met in addiction is shaloi be'erich more sensitive than people, other people who have tougher skin and therefore their spiritual needs are less, their emotional needs are less, their oiris are less. So this guy has a tremendous capacity for love and a need for love, and it's very, very innocent. Nobody to accept it or embrace it or give it or even accept it. He doesn't have God in order to find that. No, I think uh, everything, is, everything is, works together. The Ruchnis and Gashmis, nature and nurture, and what happens in birth and what happens in childhood. I think, but I don't know if there's one source. I think sometimes we're prone, we're prone to certain sensitivities and then certain things in our childhood, you know, just... But but alpinister, it's deeper than that. In other words, we're not only victims of our mothers or fathers. Our souls have journeys. That's what we spoke on Shabbos, the concept of shlichus. You know, you were there, no? Shluchus shladam kemaisa. <laughs> so it's, it's that's the that's the contribution here that the person has to realize it's not just my mother, my father, my environment, my sisters, my brother, this guy, that guy, the school, the rebbe, this. But even that concept, in other words, yes, that's true. But ultimately, that's to do with my sherish and neshama, the journey of my soul. And I would say the guy who goes to pornography, right, becomes addicted. What is he looking for? He's looking for connection. He has no keli. So all this ava, all this ava is being distorted and expressing itself maybe in the most destructive, ridiculous, absurd, empty way that's just feeding more addiction. We never get satisfied. And, uh, but, we, but what is it really? What is it really? Tremendous ur that doesn't have a keli. Tremendous sensitivity, tremendous spirituality that doesn't have a keli. They have to communicate. They have to communicate. They have to stop blaming each other. That's the first thing. You can't look at Toyu 
and say you're evil. You're evil. You're not evil. I have to understand you. You have to understand me. Let's communicate. Where are you coming from? What are your, re what are your real needs? We don't like talking about that. We like filling our needs, but not talking about our needs, so nobody knows what they are. This man had a real need. He needed his wife to appreciate that he's a chevrolet, that he's macho, that he's the greatest guy in the world. All she told him was that he's the greatest loser in the world. He has a shvirus Kayla. His, you know what I mean? People who love passion, they fight passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to know the person. You have to know the nefesh and be able to create. Then I can make a Kayla for you. You know, I, I know what you need. I understand what they call today the love language. You know, I understand. Yeah, if you have a bottomless pit, then the spouse can't fill it. But you know what? But if they can identify this, so then the, the expectations change. I can't fill. Usually, yeah. Yeah, usually, often. So you're saying clay reikon ain't a machzik because it's a bottomless pit. Clay mole could be machzik a bracha of masham. Beautiful. If somebody has a bottomless pit, they have to identify that and really have to have a very deep relationship with God and say, you know, I'm coming into this relationship with a bottomless pit and I can't expect somebody to fill it because they can't fill it. They can pour 24 hours a day liquid. It's not going to get filled. I need you to fill it. There's always a part of us that doesn't have a bottomless pit. So we can identify that part. Okay. So let's go try to build that relationship. <laughs> So, we come here finally at last to understand the significance of matzah. After the introduction that the, that the chiyus in physical ma'achalim have a tremendous divine energy even higher than the soul, and therefore they can enhance the soul. The same is true when it comes to the koyach haruchni that exists in matzah. Just as the child begins to say father and mother and understands, appreciates father and mother on some level by eating grain, there's an awareness of the divine that was inculcated into the Jewish psyche as a result of the matzah. Yichiyah ha'adam, the neshama, has a special chayis from the moitzah pi Hashem in the matzah. Why not grain, why matzah? So he said the difference between matzah and regular chametz is... Of course, chametz is dough that becomes inflated, it rises it, as a result of fermentation. Where matzah, we make sure and we work very hard that it remains flattened, humbled, not risen, deflated. And that is the, the chief unique quality between chametz and matzah. In every other issue, they're identical. They're mamish identical. Matzah is made from chametz. It's made from something that's on its way to become chametz. It's just we stop it. We say halt before it can reach that stage in its development. In Avodas Hashem, therefore, Chametz represents an element of what he calls Gasus Haklipa, the arrogance of self-inflation, where Matzah represents 
the humility of the flattened dough, and therefore, matzah has something unique, that it's not just a regular grain like any chametz all year, which does allow the child to say, Abba, Ima, and does enhance a person, give a person life, and therefore also gives a person even wisdom and understanding, as we explained, but matzah has a unique quality of inculcating another element in the person, that the chius of elikus in the matzah, so this is fascinating, wasn't really matzah and chametz physically, you're dealing with certain enzymes, but that is all as a result of the divine energy, and the divine energy in the matzah has a particular energy that gives a person something that chametz could not give him, on the contrary, chametz would deprive him from it. And this is what he, what he begins to explain, that when the Zayar says that through Achilles Matzah, the Jews became aware of their father, became aware of God, it's talking about a particular quality of awareness, which is represented in the property of Matzah versus the property of Chametz. So he starts explaining, after the brackets, you see, V'hinei it's known... Right after the brackets, the line starts Yishmirenu. V'hine yadu what's known to begalus Mitzrayim how Yisrael mekusharim ma'oid lamata. In Galus Mitzrayim, it wasn't only a physical exile. The Jewish people were mekusharim ma'oid lamata, meaning they were bound. They were bound and addicted to lowly, lowly state, a lowly state of consciousness. V'hayosichlam amidaisam bepchines hamitzarim agvulam gashmi yisraelim agerim liyisyech v'nifrat. Their whole seichel and middas were in Mitzrayim. What does it mean in Mitzrayim? He teaches, B'b'chines ha-mitzarim u-gvulim. What an interpretation. Their whole seichel and middas was in Mitzrayim u-gvulim, meaning their entire sense of consciousness and awareness and emotions were restricted, were confined in the boundaries of a material world which caused a person to feel themselves as a yesh and as a nifra generally, the physical world, without proper perspective, conceals the truth that everything is part of Kedush, everything is part of the Divine, and therefore the Gashmias itself creates that sense of Yesh, of Nifrit, and sometimes a person's consciousness can't liberate himself from that. He remains in that sense of separateness from Hashem, the sense of detachment, and that's how I operate. That's how I think, that's how I feel. This is what it means, my seichel and midas are in Mitzrayim. In the Mitzrayim Agvulim, it's like in a box, in solitary confinement, because I don't have the expansive consciousness to be able to see myself and the world in a much broader and deeper way, to see it actually as part of the divine symphony. The main Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim was not geographical. It's a certain awareness. There was a Hizgalus of Melech Malchem Amlochim, the Oyrin Soiv, the energy of the infinite, which is beyond the Shtashlus, meaning beyond the evolution of creation, and thus it's not so concealed. And this created within them a sense of Bittl. What do we mean a sense of Bittl? A sense that they are part of something much greater, part of something much deeper. They are not lonely, they are not isolated, they are not detached. Bittel is complete alignment with the source. Kemaimer, like we say, Obemeira Gadol, we say it in the Haggadah from the Pasuk, Obemeira Gadol, Zu Gilui Shechina. This created a Meira Gadol, a sense of awe, a sense of reverence, a sense of oneness, a sense of Bittel. 
by the bittel viri la zuyatsam kalamitsaram agvulim through this bittel which is called yiri la a higher level of awe this yira tata there's a lower level of awe yira ila is a higher level of awe the difference of yira tata and yiri la is yira itata is the year that a person can experience through their own mindfulness and meditation. You create a sense of reverence from your own mindfulness. Yiri Ilah comes as a shock. For example, uh, just a little example, I went once to the Grand Canyon. It was the first time I went, so I read a lot about it. So I knew what to expect. And I was excited to see it. But I remember when I approached it, I came out of the car and I took a look. So for like 20 seconds, my... My breath was like taken away and I was like shocked. I was startled. I didn't expect it because it came, you know, crashing in my face. There is the awe that you can precipitate through your own awareness, through your own work. And then this Yiri Ilah falls on you like a ton of bricks. When you actually experience something from above that you could not initiate or ferment within yourself, prepare yourself for. That's what happened by Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. And that's a different type of year. That's a year that it's not a result of your own yagiyah. It's a result of an experience from above. That's what happened then. The Meira Gadol's Agilishchina, he says, so they left all Mitzrayim. What does it mean they left Mitzrayim? They left their Mitzrayim Mogvulim. They left all their limitations. And Bemelez Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim Begashim. Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim Begashim was simply a symptom of Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim Beruchnias. They broke out of everything, and it wasn't because they were ready for it. It like just, it's like, wow, you know, God removes the curtain and he shows you something. And that's what Yiri Ilah is. It's a complete awe and reverence that you could not, you could not expect. Sometimes you meet the person, so you're meeting a very great person. So you prepare yourself and you read and you know everything. But then the actual meeting creates a transformation that you didn't expect. Because it was not something that you could prepare for. It's something that came from above. He says, V'zeha this gilu nigla aleim happens after midnight on Pesach. Amnam nitztavu b'tchilah b'chilas matzah kaidem chatzayis k'mesha kasev berav teichlo matzahs. But they first have to eat matzah on their own before midnight. The night of the first seder, the night of Yitzias Mitzrayim, they ate matzah. Shubchinas bitul rotsin v'achna v'shiflus hanem shubchinas yiru tatal. Shazel achana v'akeli lebchinas hagilu v'yiru la hanem shubchinas gal lemach chatzayis. First, you have to create your own matzah before chatzayis. Your own yira tata. And that's a hachana and a keli for the gila and yira ilah that comes after chatzais. If a person cannot create some vessel within themselves, some level of awe, some level of bitul, they will not be able to internalize the yira ilah. It's going to come and go because you're completely not ready for it. You have to be in a state where you can internalize a revelation. You can put a person in front of the greatest revelation of the world. If they didn't prepare at all, it means nothing. It's worthless. I'll go to a, a lecture in French. I don't understand it. The greatest brilliance, but I, I, I don't have the kalim in order to assimilate it into my existence. So therefore they eat matzah already before chatzayis, which is the shiflos, the humility that they're creating on their own in order to be a keli for the gilu of after chatzayis. So here you have the unique property of matzah and they begin with it before chatzayis. This is why the Zoyar calls matzah the bread of faith. Emun is also a state really of bitl. What is emun? The concept of bitl is that the person 
cannot grasp it with his seichel. He cannot say, I understand it fully. And nonetheless, he embraces it. This is called emuna. When you understand something, the awareness of it is based on your own faculties. Emuna is that it's something that transcends you. And you believe it as truth with pure emuna. This was the experience they get through. Matzah, just like we said before the marshal, of bread giving life to the person. So here we're talking about matzah giving life to the Jew. What type of life? Being mechazek the moon al derech, marshal merazal, just like the chazal said. She'ein atinik yedei alikris abba atshi yitim tam dogon. He says, dihinei. When a child says Abba, When this baby who starts eating grain, the Gemara says, he says Abba, it's not like he has a full-fledged intellectual comprehension what makes him your father, why should you love him, what he does for you, what are the responsibilities of a father, but you still call him your father. The relationship with the father that the Dagon brings out is not one that's based on an intellectual analysis that this one-year-old baby can explain to you, or even to himself, what a father is, what a mother is, their sacrifices, the father goes to work every day, he supports the family, he creates shelter, and he gives me clothes, and he gives me food, and he pays for, for, uh, for, day, for daycare, and for ba- whatever it is. He doesn't get that. Sometimes even a 20-year-old doesn't get that. <laughs> Until you're paying the bills for your own children, you don't get that. But the point is, and yet, there's a serious iskashrus, the child is one essence with his father and mother, and therefore there's a recognition when he says Tati, it's not just a person he's familiar with. When he says Mami, it's not just a person he's familiar with. There's an essential deep relationship with this parent that is touching the essence of his soul. It's not like you're another person in my life. That word, Abba, that the Dogen brings out has within it the whole majesty and depth of what it means to have a child, what it means to have a father and a mother. It's a very deep relationship, so maybe he cannot analyze it and dissect it intellectually, but it's all there. On one level you say, it's nothing, it's irrational, there's no seichel in it. What does he know? Father, father. Yeah, ask him, go over to your one-year-old, you want to have dada. Yeah, what does dada mean? Explain to me what dada mean. Even if he could say a few words, what do you think he's going to tell you already? Even ask your two-year-old, what does it mean you have a father? He says he gives me ice cream. Right? Ask your child, what does it mean you have a mother, you have a father? It means sometimes they're nice to me. Usually they'll say they're mean to me. What does it mean you have a father? The one who's mean to me. So he says, you could look at it and you say, there's no Tam Vedas here. Don't mistake. It's deep, deep uh, child development ideas here. The Skashrus is very, very deep. And he uses the words from Vayigash. See, that's where he gets the words. The way it comes out in consciousness is Lamata Minadas. Abba, Dada, Tate, what is it? When I say father, I know so much about my father. I know my father's personality. I know my father's wisdom, some of it. I know his contribution. I know his sacrifice. 
I know my, I know, I know what he did for me, etc. Because I'm an adult. When that baby says, Abba, what does he know? On one level, consciously, it seems like primitive. There's nothing to it. This is called katnus Abba in Kabbalah. Katnus Abba means katnus Amoichet. But don't underestimate it. That one word Abba has within it an entire relationship that is lamaila from any analysis. All analysis in the world pales in comparison to the deep relationship and it's all compressed in the Abba. Science will get to this one day. It's very heavy because this came from Dagon. Dagon comes from Olam Hatoyu. The awareness that the Dagon creates through the Lechem comes from the source of Lechem, which is from the energy of Olam Atoyu, which is higher than Das, higher than Chachma. Chachma begins Tikkun. Toyu is Behema Rabba. It's childlike, it's primitive, it's beastly, it's animalistic, because it's higher than Tikkun. So it comes Lamata Menadas, but it's really Lamaila Menadas. The child doesn't have a full developed element of tikkun, structure, analysis, that's all tikkun. A child does have very strong emotion. And this lechem introduces an awareness from toyu, which is not defined by das, and that's why the child says Abba. And what's in it? What's in it is a relationship that's higher than das. So it's not just stam food that adds seichel and middas. The lechem gives something that's beyond das. Why? Because lechem comes from Eilam Atayu, and it's higher than Chachma, and those Nitzutzes bring out in the child a relationship that's higher than Seichel. Your relationship with your parents, the sparks of Toyu bring that out in the child, that he could say Abba. Is this but, how he's tying together this chapter, which is really talking yes. about the last chapter? Yes, 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 yes. Yes. And that's why this oimek expresses itself in a place that's Because it's higher than das, it can't express itself in das. So how does it express itself? Lower than das. But it's really very deep because it comes from higher than das. This is the same true, the same is true when you eat matzah, which is not regular grain. It's, which is chametz. It's matzah. The desire says it's bread of emuna. What is emuna? Emuna is just these three words itself. You can give a few shiurimah. Not like people think. What's emuna? Emuna means what they what do they say in English? Blind faith. <laughs> the leap of faith. What's emuna? Why should you have emuna? What's Amunah? Amunah is you believe. Why do you believe? Because your grandmother told you to believe. Your mother told you. Because you learned in yeshiva, they told you to believe. So now the question is, if you would have grown up in a Muslim home, or you would have grown up in a completely secular home, so obviously you wouldn't have Amunah. So basically Amunah is all about conditioning. It's all about circumstances. It's nothing to do with truth. Because Amunah, you don't even have a way to determine the truth because you're not using your analysis. You're not using your critical intelligence. So this is a very, very uh, uninspiring way of defining Amunah. That Amunah is basically what we fall into as a result of the fact that we were born in this and this family, in this and this neighborhood, in this and this environment, and in this and this keila. And of course we admit that if we would have been anywhere else, of course we wouldn't believe any of this. Which means nothing of it can be proven intelligently, which means there's no reason to believe. <laughs> of course. I once asked somebody... Uh, I was giving a series of Amunah on Thursday night here for a while. Somebody said that what I'm doing is against Amunah.
because Amunah means you have to believe. So you don't do a series on Amunah, you have to believe. So I asked him, I said, uh, so how is your Amunah? He says, that's why he's not coming. I said, how is your Amunah? He says, it's real Amunah, I believe. I don't do series on Amunah, I believe, because I believe. So I said, now be honest with me. If you would have been born in a Christian, nice Christian family, you wouldn't believe what they believe in? Because you say that you don't think about it, you don't ask, you don't inquire, so you accept what your father and mother told you. So if your father and mother would have told you that Ploini ben Ploini is whatever he is, you would accept it. So he says, yeah, you're probably right. So I said, so how deep is your emunah? How real is your emunah? He says, I said, it's not even real. You're saying yourself it's not true. You're just conditioned to say it's true. He says, that's what emunah means. So I said, you need a series on Amunah. If that's what Amunah means, it's pathetic. It's, it's pathetic. It's sad. That's what Amunah means. Amunah means I know it's not true, or at least I know it's probably not true, or it may certainly not be true, but I just believe because I was told to believe. Amunah, what the Balatanya is going to say, is not that. Amunah is hakara vidas v'iskashas b'kadosh baruch Amunah is an awareness. Amunah is a sense of perception. Emuna is a certain sense of iskashus, and what's the emuna? The emuna is that God is like He was before the creation of the world, and nothing changed. In other words, He's not talking about here emuna in that the world has a creator. He's talking here emuna that the whole world has not changed. Nothing changed as a result of creation, because basically ani Hashem loishanisi v'hamshach zuhu mepchines das elyon ki ein seif baruchu la meachachma v'lachenim shechem eslabish mepchines emuna. Because Hashem's essence is higher than chachma, so the way we perceive it is through emuna. It nothing to do with seichel. In other words. Emunah doesn't compete with Seichel, and Emunah doesn't substitute Seichel. Emunah begins where Seichel ends. Seichel takes a person to many, many places, including looking at the universe and having the ability to see Moitzapi Hashem, having the ability to see the Kayach the Creator. That's for that you don't need Emunah. That use your critical intelligence, and you'll be able to discover that yesh manhig lebirizu, the world has a leader, the world has a designer, the world has a creator. You don't need a munna for that. And if you use a munna for that, I mean, you could, but it's intellectual. It's a form of intellectual laziness. You're using the purity of a munna for something that doesn't need a munna. What is a munna? A munna begins in a level, in a space that seichel can't grasp, because seichel can grasp intellectual equations, mathematical equations. Svaris seichel can grasp. When you're talking with the Ein Soif, who is Lamaila Mehachachma, and to grasp the truth of who Levada Yehu Kamashaya Kaidim Shanivra, this Seichel cannot give me an experience of the divine which transcends Seichel. This is where the soul has a Munah, the soul perceives, it detects the divine reality higher than Seichel because of its nature. So it's expressed in a Munah, which seems like lower than Das, but really it's higher than Das. Yes, that the real Amunah is experienced after Seichel, not instead of Seichel. And it's never threatened by Seichel, and it never competes with Seichel, and it never gets upset at Seichel. There's no need for it. It's not like Amunah is hiding something. People that get upset from questions is because they're not confident. You understand? I have to hide. If we have an open conversation, 
I may lose the argument. Say, Emunah is not afraid of an open conversation. Emunah just says, your mind, your brains will take you to a particular place, to a door. And then the Seichel turns to the Emunah and says, listen, I cannot pass this threshold. Now you will have to take us further. Because Seichel has its limitations, it has its properties. It has to be humble also, what it, yeah, what not. So this is the concept of Emunah. Matz is called Michodem Emnusa. Again, just like the Tinnik. When the Tinnik says, Abba, it's not irrational. It looks like it's irrational. It has within it a very deep relationship that's higher than Seichel. This is also the concept here when the Matzah creates the sense of Abba and Muna. It's like the bread in the Tinnik which comes from a place that's emunadik, by regular dogon, you're talking about physical bread, which allows you to recognize your physical father because of the shayrish of the lechem and oilam And this idea doesn't demand matzah, because this is the awareness and oilam hazah of your father. Here we're talking about the bread of matzah on Pesach. In this matzah you have a koyach from something called Eretz el The spiritual earth. From where the matzah comes out. In other words, a spiritual energy in the matzah. The matzah allows you. The matzah allows you to say Abba, Abba Shabashamayim, with a tremendous iskashus through the matzah to the core of your soul, even though one cannot say that they comprehend it fully intellectually. That's what matzah does. No, it's like the child who's just left Mitzrayim, but he could say Abba, and here the Abba is that the matzah creates that deep awareness. And that's the reason that matzah doesn't have an exciting flavor. And in fact, the halach is bola matzah yotza. If you swallow matzah, the Gemara says, unlike martyr, because the says the achil of matzah is not for the tam of it, the flavor of it. Rather, it's the concept of emunah, which is beyond das, beyond seichel, and yet it exists in every Jew because his soul is a chilek alekah. His soul, so to speak, experiences God. It sees God. It perceives God beyond intellectual analysis. Intellectual analysis is one tremendous blessing. Emunna is a different reality that comes out in the matzah. This is what we call bittel. Emunna has to do with bittel because that's what emunna is. What does bittel mean? Bittel means the courage to be able to go beyond my identity and open myself up to a transcendental reality. And that's what matzah is. It's deflated. Where chametz, I don't open myself up to anything. So on practical level, what is chametz? Chametz is, you know, those of us that at the age of 15 or 16 or 20, we decide we know everything. And whatever we hear now for the rest of our life is just busy confirming that which we already know to be true. We never learn anything after the age of 15 or 20. Everything we just fit in. We know who's normal and who's crazy. We know what's true and what's not true. We know which families to stay away from and which families to come close to. We know what's normal behavior, what's abnormal behavior. We know which philosophies are weird, which Jews are completely crazy, which Jews are normal. We know where we fit in. We know exactly what God wants. We know the truth of everything, usually at the age of 15, and there's no room for growing. Any sheer we hear after that, we just put into 
the box. Of course, some people become persona non grata, some people we embrace, and everybody does this in their own way. I'm driving on the highway. The car driving ahead of me is a klutz, he's driving too slow, he's a little meshuggah, and of course the guy driving behind me is a nut job, he's a meshuggah, and he's driving too fast. I'm the one who's driving normal. And that's how we work, and it works. That is the classic situation of chametz. I cannot learn anything really new in my life. I cannot be challenged by anything. I cannot be affected by something that may shake up my comfort zone. And let's face it, Within our community, Baruch Hashem, this issue is very, very powerful because we have God to help us out and turn us into uh, fixed robots. In other words, when I'm 15, I don't only say, I decide what truth is. When I'm 15, I decide I know what God says truth is. So I really cannot open myself up. And at best, at best, um, uh, I'll tell you, in a personal level, you know, sometimes I'll share something in a particular place, a shul or a community, and I, I think it's a really new idea for them. And at the, the worst thing I can hear from somebody after that is he'll come over to me and he'll say, that was a good vart. It wasn't a vart. You missed the point. It wasn't another pshetl. You know, you have a shtikl hagada, so you have the chsam soifer on it, the briskerov, the psadik, right? <laughs> and now you said another vart. <laughs> Sometimes stop calling, stop calling everything a good fart. Start internalizing it and let it move you. Huh? Right. Okay. It's it's extremely not, not that the person means bad. The person means well. It's just I have my fixed paradigms that will never be touched. I don't even know what they are. Huh? Okay, listen. I'm explaining the concept. Okay, let's not talk about that vort. <laughs> I'm not saying a vort that you have to catch onto the vort. <laughs> I'm explaining an idea that sometimes we just never... We're, well, the reason is the dough is inflated. And when the dough is inflated, it's just... Uh, it already knows everything. I know everything. And once I know everything, there's no bittle. What's bittle? Bittle is the courage to open myself up to that which is transcendental. And that may threaten me. It's very, very scary. It's scary for somebody to say, maybe my whole life I made a mistake. It's not comfortable. Who wants to say that? Maybe my whole life I was off or partially off. The Svasemis writes, the Yid HaKadosh, why they call him the Yid HaKadosh. The Chayz of Lublin had a Talmud. The Rebbe of Rabbi Simcha Binowitz is called the Yidah Kadosh. Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak uh, Rabinowitz, right? Why do you call Every Jew is a Yidah Kadosh. So the Svasemah says his Avoidah was such that every day he became a convert. From a non-Jew to a Jew. Every day he was Yidah Kadosh. It's like today he went through a conversion. A Gershnez guy could cut in Shanoi Ladame. When somebody goes through a conversion, they have a tremendous Maila. They open themselves up to something new. Like a baby. So the Yid HaKadosh, that's what his Yiddishkeit was like. Every day he was re, re, reborn, so to speak. So what's the concept of Matzah? He says, this is what it is. It's the Pchina of Bittl. It's the deflation that allows the person to open themselves up to something beyond them. And that's the association with Amuna. Seichel is within a person itself. It's a different. Seichel is that which I grasp using my faculties. Emuna grasps me. I don't grasp it, it grasps me. In other words, 
There's a part of me that is open to the energy of Hashem. That's what a moon is, beyond the eye. That energy is inculcated, it's digested, it's revealed in the neshama through not just regular bread, which introduces chachma and seichel, also comes from toyu and therefore introduces the awareness of Abba. But still, in terms of Elam Haza, this is Eretz Yoin, it's a divine energy, so it doesn't only bring you any energy, it brings from toyu the ability for emuna, michla de mehimnusa. And he says, And then, if you want to learn it later, it explains that this is the difference between the matzah before chatzos, the matzah after chatzos. The first matzah needs a tremendous shmira because it can disintegrate into chametz. There's the second matzah, after chatzayitz, which doesn't eat shmira, or the two states of matzahs, which allows him to come back to his original questions in the beginning about the, the status of matzah. Right, right, right. That's why it's missing above? Right, right. And over there you say, you matzahs. You have to guard those matzahs. Right, right. And that was before chatzayitz. Then after chatzayitz is the Pesach, is the Pchina of Dilug, which is beyond, that's the Pchina of... Uh, of um, of Yirei law that comes from uh, from the from the Malmaila and that dough could not become chametz. That dough like over there it could never become chametz because the revelation is so intense. But Mela but Mela does no chametz and the chiddush the chiddush we do by the seder is that matzah zusha anu oichlem the matzah that we eat has within it that kayak of nigla leim alach malchem lachem akadosh baruch hu. After Har Sinai, even before Chatzos, we have something of the matzah of after Chatzos. Right, right. Exactly. That's exactly the point. In other words, grain comes from Olam Hatayu. Exactly. Loi alalechem levada yichia adam ki alkom moitza pi Hashem yichia adam. And that's why they inculcate within our within us something that's beyond das, that's beyond seichel. That is why the child begins to say father and identify his relationship with his father and the meaning of the fact that he has a father through the dogon. And it's not something that is just an intellectual idea. It's something that comes from a place that's adas, the deep inherent relationship between the child's soul and the father's soul. And it's expressed, adas, it's just expressed in that call, in that outcry, father, abba, tata, mother, ima, mama, whatever language you're using, or another language. So it's expressed in words and in a context that is maybe adas, it doesn't have the full rational, intellectual analysis and elaboration and explanation, but it's rooted in a place that's lemailam in hadas because it comes from oilam hatoyu, and that's what it gives the child. Just like all food, this is back back to Sif, the previous Sif, Sif base, just like all food gives us something we don't have on its own. It gives us life, it gives us vitality, it gives us energy, and it even increases our intellectual capacity and the koiches of our nefesh. And even the nefesh kids grows from it. Why? Because of its shayrish in Olam The difference between regular lechem and regular and matzah on Pesach is this. The regular lechem, it gives the child 
an experience which but what experience in his physical father? That relationship which I have with my father, which is a reality in this world, a visible reality in this world, that relationship, the depth of the relationship comes out through the Dagon. The Chiddush of the Matzahs, that Matzah is not just a food that has within it an energy that allows me to recognize my physical father, but Matzah is that ability, it has that energy that allows me to recognize Hashem. It allows me to experience my Emunah, which is again, min Hadas. It's higher than Das, because what is Emunah? Emunah is the perception of the soul in Hashem Himself transcending just an intellectual idea. Hashem is higher than Chachma, as he said. This is called Das Elyon, it's the higher perception. And it comes out in the Jew on Matz, on Pesach, through the experience of, of the Matzah. So exactly, they're both Lamay Lamin Adas, but this is the Lamay Lamin Adas that, explain, that allows you to appreciate your physical father, your material father. And this is the Lamay Lamin Adas that allows you to experience Elikus, that allows you to have a Muna in Hashem. So in other words, to summarize what he said in Peri Gimel is that basically we can now understand the toichen of eating matzah. Just like physical bread gives new chayis into the soul of a person, so matzah gives chayis into the neshama of the Jew to become aware of Hashem. The mile of matzah over chametz, over regular bread is. Chametz represents inflation and therefore arrogance. Matzah represents flatness and humility. So therefore matzah gives the bittle into the soul of the person because matzah brings out in the most revealed way the divine energy of Toyu, which is higher than Chachma. That's why Matzah is Michel de Meimnus, is the Michel of faith. Emunapshuta, even when you don't understand, it's higher than understanding, is a concept of Bittel. It's like the child, when he tastes Dagan, he says Abba. It's not an intellectual, rational recognition, but a call, a perception that comes from a deep relationship with his father and the same is true through Matzah the Emunah Pshuta, the deep Emunah inherent in the soul of every Jew to call out and say, Abba, Father comes out through uh, the Matzah, however, this Emunah Pshuta, like the child, calling Abba is lower than Das and that's why this Emunah creates the avoid of Yiratata, the lower level of Yiratata, that the person himself appreciates on his, according to his or her power of Emunah, their relationship with Hashem. And this was the hachana, the preparation before Chatzos, that they ate matzah at night, before midnight, as a preparation for Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. What is Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim? Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim is to extricate yourself from a state of separation, a state of yeshus, to go out of your Mitzrayim Magvulim. And this could only happen through the Gilui Hashchina, the Yiri Law. When the king is revealed, but in order to appreciate it and internalize it, they had to prepare by eating matzah, which is incorporating and revealing their own emuna and their own yiratata, the way it is in the experience of the Jew from his own avoida and his own initiative, of course, with the help of the matzah, which is the ingredient that the Rebbeinu Shalom designated for us on Pesach to be able to experience this. Of course, you're right, if I eat matzah a whole year, it's not that, because the matzah a whole year is not a mitzvah. The matzah, you can eat matzah a whole year, but it's not a mitzvah. On Pesach, it becomes a mitzvah. In other words, there's a special divine energy, a special divine kedusha that is invested in matzah's mitzvah. We call it matzah's mitzvah, right? It's, it's a special chafetz. So yes, you're right, it's flat a whole year, and it's maybe, <laughs> you can eat it a whole year, but the koyach of matzah, that it has the oiris of toyu behizgalos, in the sense, in a more revealed way, that it can evoke 
the relationship with Hashem, not just the relationship with my father, the relationship with Hashem. In other words, it brings out in the soul that Amun Pshuta, that is the Kayach of Matzah on Pesach. Let's now go to Perik Ravi, Perik Dawud. Now this matzah that they ate before Chatzah needs guarding, like the Pasuk says in Parshas Boy, you should guard the matzahs. And it's referring to which matzahs? The matzahs that you eat the night of Pesach. The Gemara says in Pesachim, the matzahs that you eat the night of Pesach, what does this represent? This means to guard the person from the chitzoinim, from the external forces, the matzah should not come, should not be leavened, should not ferment, which represents arrogance and inflation. Because you need to have this shmirah, since we're dealing with a lower state of awe, and the connection that comes only through emuna, which is lower than tam vedas, it's lower than seichel. Therefore, it needs shi- it needs it needs shimur. It needs shmir. We explained before that a child says abba. It's really rooted in his relationship with his father that is higher than seichel. But nonetheless, it comes out just in the words abba, which don't have the full majesty and richness of seichel. And the same is true with emuna. Emuna comes from a place that's deeper than seichel. Emunah comes from the essence of the Jewish soul, which sees God, it perceives God, it experiences Hashem in an intimate fashion, and therefore it doesn't need seichel, and it's not limited to seichel, and it's not based on seichel, because seichel only allows us to grasp the God that we can deduce through our intellectual analysis and scrutiny. And Emunah is like the eyes of the soul that allow you to experience Hashem Himself deeper and higher than Chachma. That is the shoyrish of Amuna. But it comes out, it comes out sometimes in a way that's lower than Das. It comes out as Amuna Pshuta, as simple Amuna, without the full recognition and full intellectual analysis. In other words, again, the true Amuna begins after Seichel and higher than Seichel. But, you ha- but every Jew has Amuna. And Amuna is rooted in the essence of the soul, and sometimes it comes out in a way that doesn't have the full fledged. Rich experience of seichel. Not to confuse with what I said before, that people think emunah is primitive faith that's based on blindness. That's not what we're saying. Emunah is a very deep awareness, like the awareness that you have when you see something. But because emunah is not limited by seichel, sometimes, sometimes it can be experienced as lamatam in a seichel, a simple Jewish child. A simple Jewish man or woman or child who has an emuna, that emuna is rooted in the essence of their soul. But it doesn't mean that they all went through the whole intellectual, full process of divine awareness. It's real emuna, just like the child who says, Abba, that Abba has everything in it. It has all the awareness and even deeper than intellectual awareness, but it's expressed in the simple words of Abba. This emunah, he says, needs shmirah. And the reason it needs shmirah is because it's still yiratata. It's still the lower level of yirat. The person has not developed a full appreciation of the experience. To put it in the muscle of the child, this child could sometimes be swayed away from his father. Why? Because it came out, it's still in a very simplistic fashion. 
That's why these matzahs are called matzahs without a vav, like he said in the beginning of the Maimon. That you have matzahs with a vav and matzahs without a vav. But Erev, you remember in the beginning of the Maimon, he explained the difference. You have Be'erev, Teichlo, matzahs without a vav. Sometimes we have matzahs written with a vav and without a vav. Be'erev, Teichlo, matzahs says without a vav. Later it says, Vayoifu, Ugois, matzahs when they leave Mitzrayim with a vav. There's two types of matzahs. There's be'erev toichlo matzahs before chatzos without a vav, and there's the matzah after chatzos that they eat with a vav. He says this matzah we're dealing with matzah without a vav liyosiyadayim b'chinas katnos because still it's still in a state of katnos, meaning it's still in a state of primitiveness of smallness. Gam matzahs chasev of a miloshin matzusa matzahs without a vav also has the meaning of matzusa, which means quarreling, fighting. Come on, matzah meriva like a conflict. Matzah means from the word matzusa, which means a quarrel, a machloikas. Shamirivu liyez bitlayash v'hagasas. The meriva is basically, what are you fighting with? You're trying to nullify, you're trying to graduate your sense of gasos, your sense of arrogance, and your sense of yeshus, your sense of detachment from God. Al derech, like the Gemara says, la'olam yargis adam yetzer teiv al yetzer The Gemara says in brachas that a person should always get his yetzer teiv angry on his Yetzirah, there's sometimes a time where you have to, so to speak, fight. You have to get angry at Yetzirah because a person is still a yesh, you're still in a state where you feel completely separate and detached. So therefore, even though there is a muna, which is a very deep awareness, there is the need for a shmartem as hamatzah, it's a matzah without a vav, and it's matzah that is still matzusa, there's still a conflict that you have with your arrogance, with your Yeshus, you're still fighting within yourself. And that's why it was there before Chatzais. Yeah? That's a good question. You're asking that Lechayro, Shmartimus Hamatzis, says with Avav. Be'erif Toichlumatzis says without Avav. But Shmartimus Hamatzis says with Avav. That's your Shaila, right? So the truth is, if you look in the footnote of the Tzamach Tzedek, he, he references Zoya Parshas Pinchas. Right? You see, Zoya Parshas Pinchas Dafreshin and Aleph Amid Beis. It's a section of Zoya called Raya Mehemna from Moshe Rabbeinu, the faithful shepherd. So over there, the Zoya actually says that Matzah e Shmura Labayla the Iuvav. Basically, Matzah on its own is without a Vav. Ushmartim, you do a Shmira in order to make it Matzah with a Vav. You want to make it Matzah Shmura with a Vav. Through the shmartim, you have the matzahs with a vav. That's the point. You need to do the shmir because without the shmir, you have matzahs without a vav. Very good. So this was all before chatzais. And then there's a second level of matzah, which is after chatzais, after carbon pesach. After the carbon pesach, after Hashem revealed himself to the Jewish people, which happened after chatzais. After they ate from the carbon pesach before chatzos, the hine inyan pesach umashakasu v'pasach Hashem. The concept of pesach, as the pasach says in Parshas Boy, u'pasach Hashem, Hashem is going to leap over your homes. He's going to leap over your homes as a result of the carbon pesach. Show inyan dilug v'amshacha shaloike sedidai shtalshalos. This is symbolic of something. When a person leaps, when a person jumps, it means you're not walking in a fashion where everything is a gradual transition from one level to another level. You actually leap over. For example, let's say I'm walking, and then I jump 
So the normal process would be I have to cover this space by just walking, by covering it through, walking over it. But here I jump over it. So what does this represent spiritually? That a person passes from one place to another place not in a gradual evolutionary fashion. What happened then was that there was a tremendous gilushchina, the energy of the infinite one, which is beyond the whole structure of the worlds, was revealed and it came out in the most manifested way in their divine soul. That's what Geulas Mitzrayim was. Mitzrayim represents spiritually the fact that I am confined, my seichel and midis are in somewhat of a psychological and mental prison in Meitzarim Agvulim, and that's all because I live in a world where the divine oneness is concealed, I don't see it. All I could see is fragmentation, all I could see is division, all I can see is multiplicity, and all I can feel is my most external base self. What happens when God cleanses our doors of perception? He removes the veils. He removes the curtains. Uposach Hashem. Hashem leaped over. Now the divine energy is not communicated anymore in a gradual way where it descends gradually lower and lower and lower until it becomes completely concealed in the world. God leaped over all of the levels. In other words, he allowed his presence to emerge without gradually descending from Madrega to Madrega. That's why it's called Pesach. To jump over, to leap over. That's what happens after Chatzos. Vizel, that's the Pshat, we say that there, the dough could not become Chametz. We learned in the beginning of this Maimed, the text of the Haggadah, the Melech Malche Hamlochem. What is Melech Malche Hamlochem? So we say, Melech, the king. What does this mean? What does this expression mean? Literally it means you have Malachim. Those are the kings down here in this world. The monarchs of our world. Those are Malachim. Then you have Malchei HaMalachim. The kings over the kings. Those are like the spiritual mazalois of all these kings. Malchei HaMalachim are like the Sarim in heaven which are responsible. You know it says every nation has its spiritual energy, its spiritual sar, its spiritual uh, a minister, so to speak, in heaven. That's Malchei HaMalachim, the kings of the kings, the leaders over the kings. And then you have Melech, Malchei HaMalachim, the Melech who's over the Malchei HaMalachim. Says the Balatanya, there's something deeper here. Pirush, Malchei HaMalachim, Eindalut, Pchines, Malchus. Malchei HaMalachim represents four states of Malchus, because Malchei is plural, so it's kings, and Malachim is plural, so it's kings again. Whenever we say plural, we have a klal in halacha. Miut rabim is shnayim, right? That's a famous expression. Miut rabim shnayim. The, min, the, the minimum of rabim is two. It's not one, but it doesn't have to be three. So malche amalachim, you're dealing with four. So it's four states of malchus. So two and two is four. There's Malchus, the way it expresses itself in the four worlds. So means as follows. Malchei HaMalachim represents Alpi Chassidus Hashem's Malchus. But it's the way the Malchus comes out in four states of consciousness. There's the way the Malchus comes out in Atzilus. 
the way the Malchus comes out in a lower world, Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Now, we're not getting into explaining what these four worlds are, but suffice it to say that just like we have our physical world that we inhabit, our physical universe, we have parallel universes, Yitzira, Bria, Atzilus, which are all higher states of consciousness in which we experience the same reality, but from a deeper perspective. In other words, we see the same reality from a more godly point of view, from a more godly vantage point. So there's the Malchus of Hashem, the way we experience it in our world. That's Asiyah. The Malchus, the way we experience it in Yitzira. The Malchus, the way we experience it in Bria. The Malchus, the way we experience it in Atzilus. That is all Malche HaMalachim. What is Melech Malche HaMalachim? The Melech over it. Melech Malcham Lachim represents the etzem Malchus of Hashem, the way it is in its core, which is called in Kabbalah Malchus of Ein Saif, the Malchus of the Infinite One, which transcends the evolution of the four worlds Atzilus Bri Yitzirasia. Shaydei Pchinas Hagilui Zedavko Ugaolam Kamoishakosov Vavarti Beretz Mitzrayim Anivaloi Malach. Only when this was expressed and revealed, that's when the Jewish people could be truly liberated. Then it could be Malach, we say. I passed in Mitzrayim. It wasn't a Malach. A Malach would represent also great spiritual energy, but not Malchus the Ein Soif, not Melech. Malche Amlochim, the Melech that is beyond Malche Amlochim, Malchus itself. That's why we say in the Haggadah, Why is it called Moira Gadol? There is Yira, which is usually used in the context when we speak about Yira Hashem, Yira, which is a feminine word, Yira, right? It has a comment say at the end. That represents the level of Yira that is experienced when one has a sense of Malchus, whether it's Hatzilas, each world experiences the presence of the Rebbeinu Shalom according to the capacity of that world, and that's called Yira, which is Lashon the Cave of the Feminine. Moira is, of course, masculine, it's Lashon Zachar. What's the difference? You have the Yira, the way it's experienced in a form of Yira, and the way the Yira is experienced in a, in a form of Moira. The Yira that's experienced in all of the worlds and of the Jewish people as a result of the expression of Hashem's Malchus in every single world, according to its capacity, this is called Yira, which is feminine, which represents the receptiveness of Hashem's awe in each world according to its own capacity. That is Yira Tata. But then there is when Hashem reveals Himself. It's not what we receive according to our capacity, it's when He shows up in our life according to His capacity. That's called Moira Gadol. And that's Yira Ilah which is Zachar, like the Mashpia Yira, and that comes from the Gili of Melech Malchem Lachem. So it's not anymore. In other words, there, there is the Yira Hashem that I experience through my work, my understanding, my analysis, my emuna, my recognition, my working on myself. And then there is the presence, the, the experience I have when God shows up in my life. And that's a whole different experience. That's called Yiri Law. And this is the second Matzah. This is after Chatzos. Matzah, we explained what is matzah. 
Matzah is the food that has in it actually the bittel, the relationship, the commitment, the surrender to God and the sense of transcendence. Ach, but there's two levels in matzah. Matzah, the kaidem chatzayis b'chinas yirat atavem muna k'moshen eslab shab b'chinas shalamata b'chinas shalamata me'adas hamusik in iskelet. The matzah that the Jewish people ate before midnight, be'erif toichlo matzahs. They were told to eat matzah the night of Yitzias Mitzrayim by their seder in their homes. This captured the lower level of awe, the emuna, the way it comes down in a state that is lower than full-fledged intellectual comprehension. It doesn't have the full majesty of analysis, just like the child who says Abba. It has in it the full depth of the relationship of the soul with God. But the way it comes out is, the child just knows, this is my father. Ask the child, explain what this means? He can't really explain it. But this doesn't take away from the fact that he is perceiving, he knows that this is his father, and in that knowledge, as compressed, as restricted, as primitive, and as childish, as childlike as it is, you have the full-fledged relationship between a child and a parent, which is the deepest relationship. But the way it comes out is in a state of katnos, lamata mehadas. This was the state of the Jewish people the night before Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. These are slaves for 210 years. They're beaten, they're crushed, they are uh, tortured. And not only physically they're crushed, morally, spiritually, they have fallen terribly. They have lived in a life without the ability to be autonomous, to be independent, even intellectually and emotionally and spiritually. Chazal say that they were submerged in very deep states of primitive consciousness. And yet Hashem says, tonight I want you to eat matzah. What does that do? It gives the child the ability. He's still a child. The Jews are children. But the ability to say Abba. And not just to say it, to experience it. It's not just the words Abba. <laughs> it's the child has a certain experience that the Lechem gives him, the Dogen gives him an experience of his father. The Jewish children are the Nar, they're children. The Pasuk says in Yirmiya, It's the grace of your youthfulness. The Pasuk says in Hosea, the same source like Kinai Yisrael Vayaveyu. By Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, I called out to my lad, to my child, Kikriyas Hatinoit Abba. This is the child who recognizes, who experiences father, mother, as a result of the Daga. We are the child, the night of the Seder, the Jewish people of the Pchina of the Nair Yisrael Vayaveyu. Mimitzrayim Karasi Libni. Zacharati Lachesed Nurach. I'm a child. I don't understand who my father is. I don't understand who my mother is. I can't explain it. I can't articulate it. I can't define it. I can't dissect it. And I cannot give you a full-fledged, beautiful, seichel dekashir, what it means to be a father, what it means to be a mother, what it means to have a father and a mother. Hopefully I'll be able to do that later in my life. But now I know my father. I experience my father. I experience my mother. I have Daga. That's what happens the night of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. The matzah has within it the quality to be able to give the Jewish people the experience of the Reboi Shalom by feeling the emuna in their own souls. And 
And then comes midnight. Now the matzah gives them a new experience. What he calls bitul amiti, a true bitul, a yiri law, the higher level of awe. In other words, the emuna, which is lamailam in adas, comes out in the most revealed way in their soul. There was an arousal from above, that the Rebbeinu Shalolam Hashem, in His full infinity, allowed Himself to be present, and to be experienced and felt in their soul. It wasn't something they could initiate. It wasn't something they could precipitate. It wasn't something they can reach on their own. We live in a world of Mitzrayim, we live in a world of Yesh, we live in a world of detachment, as I said before. But God walked in. Hashem walked in. He removed the curtains. And there was Nigla Aleyem Melech Malchem Lachem HaKadosh Baruch What's called the Eirin Tzav beyond Hishtalshalos. Beyond the... The, you know, the Eirin Tzav is everywhere. But it's usually tucked in and embedded and concealed within the conversation of science, the conversation of physics, the conversation of cosmology, of astronomy, of geology, of biology. This all Eirin Tzav. As we said before, it all comes from the Chiyus Eliki. But nonetheless, what do we see? We see a world. Emunah is rooted in the sense of Atuhu Atshaloi Nivra'ilam. Atuhu Mishinivra'ilam. Emunah is rooted in the awareness of the divine that precedes existence, transcends existence, and fills all of existence, even right now, this moment. But that amuna could be in an experience before Chatzais. The Jew has it, but he can't fully grasp it. You'll ask the child, what does this mean, Abba? I don't know what it means. I just know this Abba. After Chatzais, the, there's a bitol amiti, the full-fledged experience of this emerges. This is Yiri law. I can't reach it on my own. This is the higher level of Yiri. This creates what Chassidus calls not a bitol hayesh, but a bitl b'metzius. It's a whole different type of bitl. He calls it bitl amiti. Yira tata is the yira that is created through your yigiyah, your toil. And therefore, you still ultimately remain independent. Yiri law is when Hashem reveals himself in your soul, now the person melts away. There's no ego left. It's not something I achieve through my meditation and my mindfulness and my work and my and my bitl and my humility, which is all great. It's all awesome. It's a preparation. This I cannot experience. For this you need the truth to emerge in your life on the truth's terms, not on your terms. And when it happens, the I is not present anymore. The I is fully aligned with the source. <laughs> For this you need Again, as I told you before, just a little marshal, right? You'll have a big tzaddik, a tremendous tzaddik, tzaddik hador. And you appreciate his greatness, and you appreciate his, his, his slavus, and you appreciate his dveikus, and you appreciate his sitkus, you appreciate his lambdas. But then there's the experience of actually seeing him, being in his presence. It's a whole different experience. Because now you actually have his ur coming into you. This is just a little marshal, tzaddik, the manager says, tzaddikim daimim labayrim. 
This is the Pshat, the Moira Godel, not Yira. Moira Godel, this is the Gilei Hashchina. Falkein Pchines Matzazu, ain't Sarech Shimur, Mechimutz Klal. Shu Pchines Ayeshus Vagasus, Meachashen Lechitzoyin, Pchines Achizavi, Yenika Klal, Mepchinesu. This Matzah you don't have to guard from becoming Chametz. The Chum, the Matzah before Chatzos, you have to guard from becoming Chametz. Why? Because the Chitzoyinim have a Yenika. There could be a leak in this Matzah. This Matzah could still go to the Chametz because this Matzah, the person is not fully, fully involved because the person still has conflict within himself. There's a Muna, but there's other parts of me that block their Muna and fight their Muna. And that's why I have to guard my Matzah. The Matzah after Chatzos, I don't have to guard. Why? Give you a full-fledged, beautiful, Seichel Dikashir, what it means to be a father, what it means to be a mother, what it means to have a father and a mother. Hopefully I'll be able to do that later in my life. But now I know my father. I experience my father. I experience my mother. I have dug him. That's what happens the night of Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. The matzah has within it the quality to be able to give the Jewish people the experience of the Rebbeinu Shalom by feeling the emunah in their own souls. And then comes midnight. Now the matzah gives them a new experience. What he calls bitul amiti, a true bitul, a yiri ilah, the higher level of war. In other words, the emuna, which is lamaylam in adas, comes out in the most revealed way in their soul. There was an arousal from above, that the Rebbeinu Shalom Hashem, in His full infinity, allowed Himself to be present, and to be experienced and felt in their soul. It wasn't something they could initiate. It wasn't something they could precipitate. It wasn't something they can reach on their own. We live in a world of Mitzrayim, we live in a world of Yesh, we live in a world of detachment, as I said before. But God walked in. Hashem walked in. He removed the curtains. And there was Nigla Aleyam Melech Malchem Lachem HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What's called the Eirin Tzav beyond Hishtashalos. Beyond the Eirin Tzav is everywhere. But it's usually tucked in and embedded and concealed within the conversation of science, the conversation of physics, the conversation of cosmology, of astronomy, of geology, of biology. This all Eirin Tzav. As we said before, it all comes from the Chiyus Eliki. But nonetheless, what do we see? We see a world. Emunah is rooted in the sense of Atuhu Atshaloi Nivra'ilam. Atuhu Mishin Nivra'ilam. is rooted in the awareness of the divine that precedes existence, transcends existence, and fills all of existence, even right now, this moment. But that emunah could be in an experience before Chatzos. The Jew has it, but he can't fully grasp it. You'll ask the child, what does this mean, Abba? I don't know what it means. I just know this Abba. After Chatzos, the, there's a bitol amiti, the full-fledged experience of this emerges. This is Yiri law. I can't reach it on my own. 
This is the higher level of Yira. This creates what Hasidus calls not a bitl hayesh, but a bitl b'metzius. It's a whole different type of bitl. He calls it bitl amiti. Yira tata is the Yira that is created through your yigiya, your toil. And therefore, you still ultimately remain independent. Yira law is when Hashem reveals Himself in your soul, now the person melts away. There's no ego left. It's not something... I achieve through my meditation and my mindfulness and my work and my, and my bittle and my humility, which is all great. It's all awesome. It's a preparation. This I cannot experience. For this, you need the truth to emerge in your life on the truth's terms, not on your terms. And when it happens, the I is not present anymore. The I is fully aligned with the source. <laughs> For this, you need... Again, as I told you before, just a little marshal, right? You'll have a big tzaddik, a tremendous tzaddik, tzaddik hadar. And you appreciate his greatness, and you appreciate his, his, his slavus, and you appreciate his dveikas, and you appreciate his sitkas, you appreciate his lambdas. But then there's the experience of actually seeing him, being in his presence. It's a whole different experience. Because now you actually have his ur coming into you. This is just a little marshal, tzaddik, the matter says tzaddikim daimim labayra. This is the Pshad, the Moira Godel, not Yira. Moira Godel, this is the Gili Hashchina. Falkein Pchines Matzazu, ain't Sarach Shimmer, Michimutz Klal. Show Pchines Ayeshus Vagasus, Meachashen, the Chitzain, the Pchines Achizavi, and Nikaklal, the Pchinesu. This Matzu, you don't have to guard from becoming Chametz. The Matzu before Chatzois, you have to guard from becoming Chametz. Why? Because the Chitzainim have a Yenika. There could be a leak in this Matzu. This Matzu could still go to the Chametz because this Matzu, the person is not fully, fully involved because the person still has conflict within himself. There's a Muna, but there's other parts of me that block their Muna and fight their Muna. And that's why I have to guard my Matzu. The Matzu after Chatzois, I don't have to guard. Why? Because there is no yinika, there is no nursing, there is no nurture that the external forces, the klipa forces can get. And the reason is because we are dealing with a situation of the matzah after chatzos. And the matzah after chatzos is a whole different level of matzah in the sense that there is no room for yeshus, there is no room for gasos. There's no I left. There's no sense of detachment left. This is the Pshat in the Haggadah we say, The dough of our forefathers did not manage to become Chametz until Melech Malcham Lachim revealed himself to them. This is refers to the second level of Matzah. The, the deeper meaning, the literal meaning is God revealed himself to them and they were in a rush. So therefore they didn't manage to leave their chametz to rise because they had to run with their chametz. The deeper meaning here, lohispik, doesn't mean there was no time. There was partially no time. <laughs> there was not enough time because you're running, so there wasn't enough time to become chametz. Lahispik means, lahispik, it wasn't shaykh to become chametz. There was no possibility for it to become chametz. There was no ability for their matzah, for their dough, 
to develop into yeshus, into a sense of arrogance and detachment, because of the intense experience of Melech Malchem, Melachem HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Over there, there's no room for chametz. So we now go back to what the Pasuk says. They bake the dough. It says they baked the dough, Kigershum and Mitzrayim, they were expelled from Mitzrayim, so they baked the dough into matzah because it wasn't chametz. Ratzaloyma, what it really means is It didn't come Ladechimutz, meaning it couldn't come Ladechimutz. Vahainuliyoz Kigershum and Mitzrayim because they were expelled from Mitzrayim. Sha'ain Shuma Chizaklala Mitzrayim, Bibchinazusha Niglaalayim, Vimkain Memela Nimshach Mizakiloy Chametz. Wow. This doesn't only mean in time-wise they were expelled. They didn't have time. Kegushum and Mitzrayim means they were in a state that they were expelled from Mitzrayim. By force, they were extricated from all the Mitzrayim Agvulim. They were taken out of Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim had no more say in their life. Mitzrayim had no more sway over them. Mitzrayim had no more impact over them. Because in this state, when you experience this state of Yiri law. There's no room for anything else. There's no yinikas achitzoinim. There's no leak that can go out to the clippers. Automatically, kiloi chametz. Kigorshim mitzrayim. When this state reveals itself, in this state of consciousness, you're out of mitzrayim. You're done. And then you don't have to guard your matzah. The matzah is immune to all influences of chametz. V'lachain, therefore, av shabali chasim mitzrayim ad bayim l'ramses. Av shayalam kvitzas aderech. This explains an anomaly. We say that the Jewish people were expelled from Mitzrayim and therefore they ran with the dough when it was still not chametz and they couldn't wait. And then when they left, they, they baked the dough. Now obviously they're not making a fire while they're walking. So they stop in Ramses, and that's when they take wood and they ignite a fire and they bake their matzah. Ask the Balatani, I don't understand. Let's say they had kvitzah saderech. Okay, kvitzah saderech, no problem. How long does it take for dough to become chametz? We all know, right? 18 minutes. You want to go another few minutes? Even if they have kvitzah saderech, but they have to leave, they have to come, and then they have to light a fire and they have to bake. Certainly the dough was delayed more than Shir Chimutz. What do you mean it didn't become Chimutz? So Al Pipshat, it's hard to understand. How did the dough not become Chimutz? Because L'cha'ira, they spent more time than Shir Chimutz. Unless you could say, you know, as Chazal say, as long as you're kneading the dough, you're, you're punching the dough a whole time, it won't become Chimutz. But L'cha'ira, it's a doichik to say that a whole time they were punching the dough, they were moving. And also, if it was because they were punching the dough, they were kneading the dough a whole time, the Lashon is, it didn't have the time, not because they were punching it, but of course it had the time, it had plenty of time to become chametz. Explains the Balatanya, the physical chametz is a result of the spiritual chametz. Chametz represents self-inflation. Chametz represents arrogance. Chametz represents narcissism. Chametz represents that you're closed off to anything that transcends your limited reality. You're closed up. You're too inflated. You're not flat. You're not humble. You're not open. When I have a muna, I can still have chametz creeping in. When you have nigla aleya melech malchem lachem baruch hu 
you have bitul amiti, you have yiri law. Now lo hispik, there's no possibility for your dough to become chametz. It remains in a state of humility. It remains in a state of matzah. And as a result of the spiritual transformation, physically as well, the physical dough lo hispik laachmas it didn't become chametz. That's why here it says, Matzis with Avav. When it says, Ugois Matzis, it's with Avav. We learned before in Perik, Alevav represents a flow of communication. Because this Matz already had Avav. This Matz already had the flow of the Rebbeinu and the flow of Hashem, not just the Rebbeinu Shalom, Melech Malchei Hamlochim that came down into their system from Moira Gadol Yiri Elok, Moshayim in Bitfilo, just like we say in Davening Shemun Esra, Hakel Hagadol Hagibar Vehanoira, Kel Elyon Betois Vizvav. We don't say Hakel Hagadol Hagibar Hanoira. Hanoira is with Avav because Noira represents Yiri Law, which comes from Kel Elyon. Hagadol and Hagibar is the way the person appreciates according to his or her capacity, godless and gvuras Hashem. And then there's vehanoira. When Hashem reveals himself to a person, then it's the p'chin of Yiri law that's with Avav, that comes from Kehlalian. When there's only Yiri Tata, it's still called Matzah's missing Avav, and this Matzah you have to protect from the external forces, which represents clippers that are all called Chitzoinim. They're outsiders. What do we mean they're outsiders? They're outsiders meaning that they see only the outside of the world. You asked before why they're called Chitzoinim, right? Because they only see the of the world. They only see the outside of the world. They only see the external peel, the husk. That's why it's called klipa, husk. They don't see the pnimius. They don't see the depth of the world. That's why they're chitzainim. They live in a consciousness of chitzainius. Whenever we're living in an external, confined state of consciousness where we don't see the full picture, we're called chitzainim. So now you need shimur from the chitzainim. Avalpchines matzah, beishinikre matzah, smalei bevav, ein sarich shimur. Where the second level of matzah, which is called matzahs with avav, that matzah doesn't need any shmira. Why? Because this matzah comes from nigla aleya malach malcham lachem akadosh baruch and that does not need any shmira. Comes the Balatanya now and says, Perik chamishi vini meata yeshlo avayir tiritz hakushya niskele with all of this we're going to answer the question at the beginning of the Maim how do we say in the Haggadah that this matzah that we eat before Chatzos is because their dough didn't have a chance to become Chametz till God revealed himself that only is the matzah that they ate the next day after Chatzos Laila. But the matzah that we're eating, matzah zushanu oichlim, al-shum we're eating at night before Chatzos, and we're eating it because there's a mitzvah to eat matzah at night, and they also had that mitzvah to eat matzah at night before God ever revealed himself to them. The answer is, the answer is, Because 
the system the way it was the first years when the Jews were still in Golos Mitzrayim. They didn't have Torah and Mitzvahs. They were very much connected, as he said before, to the Mitzrayim Agvulim Al Kain, therefore. So therefore they simply did not have the capacity to absorb the tremendous, intense revelation of Moira Gadol to experience the Yireh law before Chatzayis. Elekoidim Chatzayis Hayirak Pchines Matzis Chaser Vav Dahinu Pchines Yireh Tata Battle Ritzoincha Vayidei Zedafka Yicholim Lekabel Pchines Hagili Anal Acher Chatzayis Vayidei Zenimshech Bem Pchines Lehispik Betzekes Before Chatzayis, when they were in Mitzrayim, it's like the little child who's eating the grain and he's just beginning to recognize and experience his father. So all they can have is the Pchines of Battle Ritzoincha. They nullify their will Yireh Tata. And that is the preparation that after Chatzos they can experience the Loi Hispik B'Tzekas Shalavisenu because of the Gilui. That's all the first year around. Once the Jewish people accepted the Torah and the mitzvahs on Mount Sinai, so now a whole year, even before Pesach, we internalize godliness through Torah and mitzvahs. When they were in Mitzrayim, they were in a state of absolute gollus physically and mentally. So even when they're given the mitzvah to eat matzah in the beginning of the night of Pesach before Chatzos, they don't have the capacity to experience the Yiri law because they are still entrenched in gollus Mitzrayim and all it represents as explained above. After that, and years later, we have a whole year, even before Pesach, we have Torah and mitzvahs. Torah and mitzvahs is divine. Therefore, even the matzah that we eat before Chatzos, because of the Torah and mitzvahs that precedes it throughout the year before Pesach, we can absorb the gilu shchineh from the nigla leah melech malcham lochem the day after Chatzos. In other words, in the matan Torah, which when Jewish people got Torah and mitzvahs, we have a whole year, year We have a whole year, the lower level of all, because what is Torah and mitzvahs? Torah and mitzvahs is the commitment of Hashem, of battle ritzoincha to align myself and open myself up to Hashem. So we have there the concept of Yiratata. Furthermore, through the Kiyam of Torah and Mitzvahs, we have what's called Tarach Amudeyar. There are 613 Mitzvahs, that's Taryak. Plus, there are seven rabbinic mitzvahs that makes it tarach, tofresh chaf, which is 620, which is the same letters like the word keser. The Kabbalah explains that keser elyon, Hashem's crown has tarach amudayoy, which means 620 pillars of light, just like you have a, a pillar, an amud, which connects the ceiling to the floor and it holds up the ceiling. So, spiritually speaking, Every mitzvah is like an Amid. There's 613 pillars that allow the earth to experience the divine will, the divine crown, which is like the ceiling. So these are called Tarach Amudeyoy. A whole year through Torah and Mitzvahs, we have a shtikl nigla leyem In Torah and Mitzvahs, Hashem gives us and imparts to us something of His essence, even if we don't perceive it. But that is what exists in all of Torah and Mitzvahs. So therefore, these are 613 pillars 
that connect heaven and earth, that connect Keser, Tarach, Keser, Keser, Elyon, with the human condition down here. Because you're dealing with Hashem's internal will. Torah and mitzvahs represents Nigla Malach Malcham Lachim. It's beyond the Malchus of Abtzilus Bri Yitzir Asiyah. Torah and mitzvahs is rooted in Malach Malcham Lachim. So what the Jewish people had only after midnight during the Ace Rots and Vahibachatsiya today we have in our souls in the matzah that we eat during the Seder pre-midnight. Because a whole year we had the preparation of Torah mitzvahs, which gives us the essence of God's will. So therefore, in our matzah already, we have Yirei Law, not just Yiratata. The matzah has within it the revelation, the embodiment of God's essence in the matzah. To give the soul not just an experience of a muna that's below Tam Vedas, but the full muna. The full emuna in its full infinite vastness. Emuna that's not just a child saying Abba on a childlike level, but the full experience of Abba when the full presence of the Father can be expressed in the child's soul. In the, in the, in the, in the, in the child's soul. This is the meaning of what it says in the Haggadah. What's the question? This matzah that we eat, why? What's the question? This tefillin that I put on, al shumah, you can ask it on every mitzvah. When it comes to Pesach, matzah al shumah. So on a literal level, you'll say, it's all questions and answers, the whole say this, questions and answers. But there's something deeper here. Why are you asking matzah al shumah? Why? Hashem said to eat matzah by the Seder. The Jews ate matzah when we came out of Mitzrayim. Says the Balatanya, no, there's a very deep question here. Pirush. He's asking a question, a very deep question. The matzah that we're eating, al shumma why? I understand when they were in Golis Mitzrayim, they were entrenched in the exile of Klippa and Sitra Achira very deeply. They had not turned and they had not mitzvah, so God commanded them to eat matzah before chatzois, the matzahs without a vav, in order to prepare themselves for the gili of after chatzois. But we already have turned and mitzvahs a whole year. Why are we eating this matzah before chatzois? O Mashani, the Haggadah answers, al shum shloi hispik betzakhish lavisenu lahachmetz. Pirush. The answer is that even our matzah that we eat before chatzos, we're eating it because the, the dough of our forefathers did not manage to become chametz until God revealed himself, which is after Chatzos. In other words, even though we're eating it before Chatzos, we are not only communicating and accessing 
the energy that they accessed then in their first level of matzah, which was the munapshuta that comes through the matzah before the revelation. What we have in our matzah is the second state of matzah, the second level of matzah, the moira godol zagilu shchina, the bittel that comes from lahispik betzekas lavaisenu because the melech malcham lochem revealed himself. V'umipchines hagilui shenigla aleya melech malcham lochem ugalim the melech malcham lochem revealed himself upon them and liberated them. Which is the revelation of the presence of the Infinite One completely beyond the structure of the universe and therefore it comes without any cloaks and garments and it's not concealed and gives the soul the full experience of Amuna without any restrictions. That this Gilu and Amshacha from after Chatzos comes to us even in our Matzah before Chatzos from the reason that we explained before because it's a result of the whole Avoida and the whole Torah Mitzvahs that we have all year around. Now, the mimer here goes on to the whole new theme. The second, this mimer is divided into two parts. The first night of Pesach, Matzah, and then Shvi Yishal Pesach. You see, he goes, and, Inyan Pesach. and the truth is, that only in this second part of the mimer does he go back to answer the questions that he asked about that Shvi Yishal Pesach is dependent on eating the matzahs of the six days, even though that year, remember, they ate matzah only one day, not six days. Nonetheless, we say that Shri Yishal Pesach is dependent on the Sheish Yishyamim. Those questions he only comes to answer in the second half of the Maimer Shri Yishal Pesach, which I hope Emitz Hashem will do a, uh, another time. So therefore, therefore, we have at the end of the first section of Sheish Yishyamim, of Sheish Yishyamim Teichel Matzah, where we have the explanation of what matzah is. Now, Besides everything we learned, I think there's one important Nekudah that we have to take out, besides all the other Nekudahs. And that is the deeper meaning of a mitzvah. A person could eat matzah their whole life on Pesach. And you say, why do you do it? You say, it's a mitzvah. Why is it a mitzvah to eat matzah on Pesach? We just learned, like, And that's of course, and that's of course true. But there's something deeper. Because at the surface, what we say is, the Sefer HaChinuch, for example, he, for example, says, He says, why do we eat matzah? And why do we have all these physical mitzvahs? Because our heart follows our actions. Meaning, the main avodah is to develop an emotion, to develop an awareness and an emotion. The practical part of the mitzvah, the pragmatic, concrete part of the mitzvah, is simply to trigger emotions. That's what the Sefer HaChinuch says. Acher HaPolis the heart will follow action. For example, matzah. The objective of the mitzvah is to remember Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, to remember the miracles of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, to remember that the Jews ate matzah on the night of Mitzrayim because they were rushed out of Mitzrayim, and to strengthen our emunah as a result. And this is affected by eating the matzah, which is basically the same bread, the same type of grain that they ate when they came out of Mitzrayim. So obviously when you're eating matzah, you say, Why are we eating this strange food? And the answer is to remember what happened. So the eating of the matzah is a means for an end. It's a means for an end. When we're eating a strange food, we don't eat a whole year. And the kindle say, Why? 
And the answer is, this night is different because Avadim Hayinu, and we remember all of the supernatural events of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim when they ate this type of bread, this type of grain, and that's why we eat this type of grain. What, and that's all, of course, true. It's the basics. We're learning here is, it's not just we're eating matzah, and it's symbolic. It's symbolic of what they ate, and it creates a certain memory. The eating matzah itself, the etzah machilas matzah, the eating of the matzah, the, the type, the, the, the food itself, it's not just, it's going to allow us to engage in conversation that could bring out good things. We'll remember our history, we'll talk about our history, we'll talk about our destiny, our past, our present, our future, our commitment. Yes, the actual eating matzah has a koyach to bring out the amuna in the soul. That's the deeper level, alpinister, of the kayak of the mitzvah. The matzah itself has a certain oil, a certain divine energy, that when a person eats it, this energy makes a dent. It allows the person to detect certain components that may have been more concealed. Which is, of course, based on the whole introduction that it's not that God created a physical world. That's not the case. The physical world is full of divine energy. Important. It's not God created a physical world. And we have a Muna, he created it. No. The physical world itself is a manifestation of divine energy. And this comes out in every food that we eat is a manifestation of divine energy. And on Pesach, the food that we eat, the matzah, has a special divine energy. And that matzah, that creates a new ruchnius in the person because the physical and the spiritual are deeply connected. And the physical universe is a manifestation of divine energy and therefore it triggers the divine energy in our soul. For example, matzah, the koyach, the koyach of Amuna. By chesidim, by chesidim is an expression that when you eat matzah on the night of Pesach, estmen elikus. You eat godliness. That's the gewaldike union of a Jew to eat matzah on the night of Pesach. It's not just to be part of the cultural and religious story of the Jewish people. The eating of the matzah itself has a tremendous power, tremendous koyach. It has a tremendous amkos. That's why tzaddikim, who generally were open to their souls and they felt their souls constantly, the night of Pesach, at the Seder, when they ate the matzah, and generally at the Seder, when they ate the matzah, they experienced a gilu elakus mamash. Because in our matzah you have the moira gadol, you have the nigla aleim alech machavach b'kadbaruch ugalam. Sometimes I'm so stuffed up, I'm plugged up, I can be right there and I don't sense it. But somebody who's sensitive, in the matzah they sense the matzah's mitzvah of the night of Pesach, the gilui of nigla aleim alech machavach b'kadbaruch ugalam. Of course, it's not the same like it was the year, the night of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim originally, when uh, everybody experienced it and felt that they would transport it. But it exists in the matzah. And because it exists in the matzah, the Seder was such an opportunity for dveikas, for intimacy, with your neshama, with Hashem, and with the people who are close to you. The matzah, the, matzah, the Seder is an opportunity for that type of, of extraordinary relationship. Yeah. Right, so now we understand the answer to many of the questions that he asked in the beginning of the Maimer. The questions about Shri Yishal Pesach, that's in the next half of the Maimer. That's the second half. But the questions he asked about Matzah, he already answered. What were the questions? He asked why it says, 
It sounds like the reason why they baked matzahs and not chametz is because they were expelled from Egypt and they didn't have time to uh, allow the dough to rise. And the question is, he brought from Sachem Dav Tzadik Vav that Hashem has prohibited already for them eating chametz for the first day of Pesach, the Svavnism. So anyway, they couldn't have baked chametz. Let's say the Egyptians would have allowed them to stay on the 15th day for many hours and they could bake. They anyway couldn't. In other words, even if they were not expelled from Mitzrayim, they would not be able to bake the dough into chametz. So why does it say, They anyway couldn't have done it. That wasn't the reason. So we have an answer for that, right? What's the answer? The answer is that the chametz that they were prohibited to eat, that was already the night before they were already prohibited to eat chametz. That was one level of matzah. Here the chiddush is that there was a new level of matzah that not only was not chametz because they guarded it, it could not be chametz, it was immune to chametz because they were completely extricated from the reality of Mitzrayim. There was already no room for Mitzrayim, like hispik lahachmetz. His second question was, why we say in the Haggadah Matzah Zushanu Eichlim, Al Shum Hispik That's not the reason why we eat the matzah. The Jewish people were commanded anyway, Al Matzah on the first night of Pesach, to eat the carbon Pesach with matzah and murder. That was the, con- the, the, the commandment. And every year, Be'erif Teichlu Matzah. Let's say their dough would be able to rise. It's not connected. And again, What's the answer for this? The answer for this is that that's the whole Chiddush the Haggadah is saying. That the matzah that we eat in the beginning of the Seder, in the beginning of the night before Chatzos, is already connected to the higher level of matzah. And the third question was, it says that the matzah we eat is because the dough did not have a chance to rise. And his question is, the nigla aleim happened after Chatzos Laila, right? Uga'olam, he liberated them, that's all after midnight. And the mitzvah to eat matzah was already before chatzais laila because that was together with the carbon pesach. And the carbon pesach you, call, you only eat at chatzais. And the same is true every year. The matzah that we eat is before chatzais. How do you say matzah zushan oichlim is al shum when we eat the matzah before chatzais? And again, we already have the answer for that that after matan Torah, we have before chatzais not only the experience in Mitzrayim before chatzais, but also the experience after chatzais. Yeah? Oh, I didn't read the end of the paragraph of Perik Dalad because generally I haven't read inside the footnotes of the Tzamach Tzadik. I know this is not in brackets, but the last few lines of Perik Dalad were an addition for an addition for the Tzamach Tzadik. But we can read it inside; it's fine. The last few lines of Perik Dalad, I'll read it inside. Tzamach Tzadik asks. He adds to the Maimer to the discourse of his grandfather of the Balatanya. He says, "Here's the question." In our matzah, which we eat before chatzos, we're saying that we have the first level of matzah, but we also have the second level of matzah, right? The Meir Gadol. How do you have them both in one matzah? <laughs> right? Mele in Mitzrayim, there was the matzah before chatzos, and then the matzah they ate the next day. But, that, but what about, what about, uh, what about by us? It's one matzah. This is Achnoid, that's known, very interesting. Ha-hefrish ben chametz l'matzah rak the whole difference between chametz and matzah is in one letter, hey. Because think about it. Chametz is made up of three letters, right? Ches, mem, tzadik. Matzah is made up of three letters, mem, tzadik, hey. So mem and tzadik are the same letters by chametz and matzah. So what's the difference between chametz and matzah? By chametz you have mem, tzadik, and ches. By matzah you have mem, tzadik, and hey. Now basically, 
what's interesting is, of course, the hay is very similar to the ches. And the point, of course, is that chametz and matzah are basically the same thing. <laughs> They're almost identical. Of course, the emphasis is on the word almost, because the difference is between 18 minutes and less than 18 minutes. You know, did, it, did the dough ferment or did it not ferment? Did it become leaven or not leaven? And the difference is sometimes subtle. You may not, even, may not always even be visible to the naked eye. So we're dealing with two substances that are almost identical, mem tzadik ches, mem tzadik hey. Now, that, different, that significance is very, very important. Because take a look at a ches. A ches has a roof and two legs. A hay has a roof and two legs. The difference, of course, is the hay, the leg on the top is disconnected from the roof. Right? The left leg has a space between the top of it and the roof. The chametz, there's a roof and two legs, and there's no space between the roof and the two legs. Both of them are open on the bottom. What this represents, this was once a sicha talk that was given by the, by the Lubavitcher Rebbe. It's printed in Lakut Sichas. So he says something very profound, based on this maimur in Lakut and other maimurim of the Balatanya. In life, we all fall. We're all like a ches and a hey. The Gemara says it in Menachas, Davchav Tes, why this world was created with a hey. We all fall. We, we fall. We stumble. The difference between chametz and matzah is not if you're going to stumble. There's always an opening and a hole in the bottom. The way to the abyss is pretty fast. The difference is, in the ches, I fall and I have no way of crawling back in. In the hay, I fall and I could climb back in and squeeze myself into that hole. But am I capable of squeezing myself into a hole? Sometimes the hole is available for me. The open, not the hole, the opening. The opening is there. But I am too arrogant to squeeze myself back in. So when I fall, I can't accept responsibility. I can't acknowledge mistakes. I'm always blaming somebody else. I'm always rationalizing and justifying. First of all, it's hard for me to see any wrong because I'm busy justifying and rationalizing. Even if yes... I'm a victim, I blame other people. And as a result of that, I remain stuck. As a result of my arrogance, I remain stuck. Matzah is the ability of vulnerability, of openness, as discussed earlier in the shir. So I could climb back in. So let's now see what the Tzamech Tzadik is saying. If the whole difference in Chametz and Matzah is the hey, vihine, I hey, milu hey. You know what the uniqueness of the letter hey is? That the filling is also hey. Meaning when you write out a letter fully, let's say Aleph, there's writing Aleph, just an Aleph. But if you write it out fully, it's Aleph, Aleph, Lamet, Fei. Bez, Bez, Yud, Sof, Bez. Let's say you write out the Hey, so it's Hey, Hey, right? Hey is Hey, Hey. So every Hey is really two Heys. That's why in Kabbalah, Ma'aras HaMachpela is associated with the letter Hey because it's double, it's a double letter because Aleph is Aleph and then Lamet and Fei. But Hey, the second letter, the filling is also Hey. The filling is the same substance like the original. So beautifully. So the word matzah is different than chametz in the letter hey. Matzadik is identical. So he says the letter hey has two elements in it. There's the hey of matzah, and then there's the hey of the hey. So he says these two hays which are hinted in the one hay of matzah, represent these two levels of matzah. The milui is the concealed component within the hay itself. Meaning, 
when I write the letter Aleph, I just write Aleph, right? When I say it, I say Aleph Lamet Fe. But when I write it, you don't write Aleph Lamet Fe. You don't write Hey Hey. You don't write Yud Vav Dalit. You don't write Bez Yud Sof. You don't write Gimel Yud Mem Lamet. You just write the Gimel. The Gimel includes in it, in a concealed way, the Yud Mem Lamet. So that's called the Helem that's concealed within it. And the same is true in Matzah. Now, this is very profound. The first level of Matzah represents Emuna and Yiritata. That includes within it the full level of Amunah, the full mature awareness of the divine. But it's concealed in the Amunah, like the child who says Abba. That call, that call Abba has within it the full relationship of a parent and a child. The child may not be able to articulate it verbally and analytically and intellectually, but it's all there. It's like the second hay concealed in the first hay. So the same matzah, the matzah that we have before Chatzos, which is distinguished from Chametz by the hay, has in it two hays. There is the hay, which is the revealed, articulated hay, the emuna that the Jew acquires through eating matzah, and then there is the deeper emuna, the yiri law, the nigla le'malech malcham lech which is also in that hay. The helam zesha betoich hay. This concealment, the second hay, which is in the first hay, shehipchines malchus, which represents. The hey, yud kei vav, here we go into a whole other subject, just be kitzer. Yud kei vav kei, yud is chachma, hey is bina, vav is the six midos, and the hey is malchus. So he says, hey is malchus, and in malchus you have a second hey. Shoshim ebchin is keser, ki no it says in Kabbalah that the beginning and the end are always connected. The big, highest level is etched in the lowest level. Malchus is the lowest sphere, but it's rooted in the highest, which is Keser. Like he spoke, be, spoke before, Tafresh Chaf Amudei Oyer, about Torah Mitzvahs, which is the Melech Malchem Amlachem. So that's why the Hay is the lowest level. It's Malchus, which is Amuna, which is like Lamata Minadas. It's, it's lower than Das, but really it has within it the higher Hay, which is the Keser, which is deeper because no, it's Chilas and So our Matzah, which is distinguished by Hay, has within it really two hays. He gives a reference to another mimer of the Balatanya in Parsha Shlach and the Pasuk that Koyach, the Koyach of Adne represents extricating or, or accentuating everything that's concealed in Adne. Koyach Adne means you have to bring out the Koyach of Adne. So here also, the last hay, you have to bring out the full Koyach, the full capacity in that hay. That's the Pchin of Kesser, Nos Chilasim Besoifan. And that's why our matzah, in one piece of matzah, and in one experience of eating matzah, you have the hay. But when you say, I have the hay, what does that mean? The hay has a double component. There's the hay, and there's the hay of, and there's the hay of the hay. So this finishes the first part of the Maimer, which is the first four Prakim, and now he goes in, as you see in Hay, as I said, where he's going to ultimately return and answer the original questions that he began in the Maimer, This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.